This is Rachel Deering, writer of Anathema, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Did you like the dog tweet today? Pictures of the black dogs that I sent? I wasn't on Twitter much. Oh, I guess there's a stigma against black dogs. They don't get adopted or rescued uh, as far as as white dogs. And this, this artist took pictures. And they're so emotional of these black dogs just looking at the camera like, why is anybody coming to get me? And a cowbell, obviously. <laughs> it sounded like you were thinking a cowbell. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not the cowbell. I need more cowbell. Yes. Okay. Much better. I got a, Don't be quiet. People. I got a big old EOC week coming up. You do? Yeah. C2E2. 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 So you fucking assholes aren't coming in, so I gotta be the guy to... Oh, so you might actually have to man up for once on a weekend. I, I, think, I think that's gonna work against us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going the to an EOC, I'm going to an EOC meetup tomorrow, but I'm only, I'm, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I'm only gonna be at the show, I think, on Friday. Wow. Uh, Sal, get a table? Or no? No, no table for him. Oh. A table for him. How was Florida, Chris? Um, it was, it was good. It was brief, but it was good. Mm-hmm. It's probably more like off mic <laughs> discussion. Yeah, fair enough. It was good. It was, yeah, enjoyed happy it. Happy Easter. Thank you. Yeah. Happy Easter to you and yours. It's one of my two times each year I walk into a church and anytime I, I, I don't get engulfed in hellfire is, is a win for me. So there you yeah. Go. yeah. Yeah. We didn't do the whole church thing, but that was okay. I was on a flight at 6.50 on Sunday morning because I had, you know, white lesbian softball practice <laughs> back here in Chicago. So. I got to say, I'm not a religious man, as you know, but the uh, the priest that does the church mass, he's a monsignor. He doesn't you know, he doesn't do all the masses, obviously, but he does the big ones. And uh, he's a funny dude, like this old dude. He made a joke because, you know, the I mean, as with most Catholics, Christmas and Easter is when everybody shows up. So yeah. I would say there were probably close to eight 900 people in the church for this mass. And uh, he was like, wow, he's like, look at that. He's like, our town's actually Catholic. You'd never guess it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Like, oh, that's respect. That's I respect, yeah. respect the poking fun at the, at the, at the twice a year people. Mm-hmm. I got out of it. You did? Oh, I don't know how I did it. You no, know, she's like, you don't have to go. So now I'm thinking she's going to cut my throat in my sleep or something because she's being way too nice. Oh yeah, so, dude. How about that rapper that cut his penis off and then jumped off? Dude, nuts. Keep the penis and then jump. Like, what? You know, why would you cut that off? Because it got him. In, what, it got him in trouble. Like it does all men. That's one thing you need. That is cray, dude. Penis in your brain. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Eleven o'clock. Comic Family episode. entertainment. Three hundred and thirteen <laughs> is it? Yeah. And I am Vince B. Talking at you. No, talking with you. I'm talking at you. And I'm Christopher Neesman. You are Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. You are David Price, and I'm Puff the Magic Dragon, living <laughs> by the sea. In Honolulu, yeah. But you're not Puff the Magic Dragon because you are real. I can touch you, Puff not right was, now. Puff was real, motherfucker. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and you're Jason Wood, everybody. Uh, you're. I have absolutely no segue from <laughs> That is your segue. I have no seg- segue is your segue. Absolutely no segue at all. If you're going to buy comics, the best place to do so is at Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get massive, mind-boggling discounts on your favorites. Such as from Boom, the boom. Big, big Trouble in Little China is coming out, written by Eric Powell, art by Brian Chirilla. Cover price three ninety nine. Take home price for you because you're one of Me? the chosen ones. A dollar ninety nine. It's actually pretty enticing. I like that creative team. Yes, Chirilla, Yeah. What well, you know? I like uh, Powell's yeah, written. I one of my most prized pages that I own is a Brian Chirillo page. It's a, a fear agent pinup that he drew and Hillary Barta inked. Oh nice. man, and it's yeah. awesome. Don't even get I me ain't... started about the quest for. <laughs> Pena Fear Agent pages. I had, this was a week of frustrating OA experiences. I had a conversation with a certain OA dealer that would be the person to get these pages that made me want to punch him in the face. That's real. Yeah. There'll be no punching of the face, Jason. You're too smart for that. It's true. But anyway, I introduced the kids to Big Trouble in Little China. This yeah, you said two out of three, right? Yeah, Nina, Nina thought it was stupid. But she's 16, so. Nina, Nina's girls. stupid. Yeah, she has. But Vinny thought it was like the greatest thing. Nice. So why he's your cool. favorite? Yep. He's your favorite son. <laughs> from from Image, you can get the Dead Body Road Trade I'm by Mr. You should. Just, Justin Jordan and Matteo Scalera. Cover price is a really respectable fourteen ninety nine. Right? You get it for them. Seven dollars and forty nine cents. Hell out of here. Unheard of. Dude, you got to pimp the new Robert Kirkman book because that's probably worth eight thousand dollars in a few years. Yeah, and from no, from no, I, I have these things. It's preordained what I'm going to pimp, dude. You really, you, you know, you are a man of many talents, but going off script is not one of them. This is no, I, I know, right? Off script. And the um, from Dynamite. Hey, look at this. It's <laughs> it's the Doc Savage Archives hardcover volume one, the Curtis magazine era, but it's not Curtis. We all know it was Marvel, written by Doug Munch, art by Big John Basima, and others. Uh, it's thick as a brick, contains issues one through eight of the magazine now, so you're getting a lot of pages for your money. Hardcover, $49.99 cover price. What? Not you. $24.99 for you. Mm-hmm. That's, you get, you have to order this. It's amazing stuff. Uh, they don't, uh, DCB service does not mind late orders or order editions. Yeah, I missed this. They'll throw it right on your order. And you can get the previews for damn cheap. A dollar and change. It's really, really it's inexpensive. DCBService.com. They are the absolute best. Yes, There's sir. no question. I'm surprised you didn't pimp the new Vampirella. Because I don't like it. Why not? I don't really? pimp what I don't like. Yeah. I, I've parted ways with Dynamite on Vampirella. They have abused that character. She doesn't deserve it. You don't have, no. I mean, hopes for the reboot that they'll get it right? No. Mm. No. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy about the the writer Nancy. Um, what's her name? I, I've I've re- I've uh, read a couple of her books. Nancy Collins, I think. Okay. I, I just don't like her. I, I she's it doesn't. I don't like the voice. Gotcha. I don't like I don't like what they've done with Vampirella. No, nah, it just does didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Well, good news is that uh, the Oz Omnibus is coming out from Marvel for fifty percent off. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah that's right. That's true. Yeah. Our man Scotty and, and Eric Shanauer. 
but you know what? Play, playing against types, since you mentioned Dynamite, I, I'm hearing that they're doing great stuff with the gold key characters. I'm heard, I heard Van Lan, I've seen, um, Hardman's covers mm-hmm. and they're phenomenal. And, and from what I've heard, uh, Pack and Van Lenti are doing really good stuff with them. Well, and, I, uh, Warren Ellis just got tagged to relaunch the superpowers line for them. That's true. Yeah. And he's also going to do Supreme for he uh, Image. Indeed. Yes, really. Yeah, I'm on both of I mean, those. Well, I'm definitely on you the know, Supreme. You know I love the Project Superpower I, stuff. I, well, I know, and you know I didn't. I know. I'm well aware of that. Captain. Oh, uh, jerk. So, yeah, DCB service. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, Vince, why don't you discipline us first? Okay, I'm drinking water. Uh-huh. It's lemon in it. And the bitch sparkles. Shines like a diamond. Shines like a diamond. Deer Park water. David, why don't you pick us up? Uh, Some more of that 1792 Ridgemont Reserve from last week. That's old. How much did that cost? Not a lot. It's from 1792? No. It's inspired by 1792. Oh. But it's still tasty. It is still tasty. (laughs) Absolutely, it's still tasty. Jason, how about you? Uh, cue the Chris telling us that it's a wife beater beer every time I mention it, but I am drinking, drinking a Stella, Stella Artois. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not beating my wife. Not yet. I we don't know. We don't know what happens after we hang up. No, as Vince said, she'd beat that ass. So yeah, I think so. <laughs> she'd kick your ass. Is what it yeah. was. She's wily. She's uh, wily, fast, and Beth so. is a fantastic person, Vince. I know she is. She is. But she's petite, she's but she's tough. Mm-hmm. She, would, she would kick all of our asses twice The boys over. said that if she was a superhero and she would be the mongoose because she was like a female wolverine. Wow. I mm-hmm. like that. Is there a mongoose? I've never. Can we, no. can we get her in, in the spandex, maybe? I mean, I can no? get that. Not that yeah. you'll ever see it, but. What was the stuff? <laughs> uh, uh, Ricky Ticky Tavi? Was that the, the mongoose? Uh, what was in the, the yeah? The you mean uh, sure? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was some, the mongoose story. Yes, sir. That's what um, so I am drinking in Wait, honor. Who asked you? <laughs> hey. Dick. <laughs> I asked me, motherfucker. Uh, you know, in in honor of C two E two, which I am the only one of us that will be attending this uh this week uh i am drinking the galaxy hero from revolution brewing which is the the c2e2 brew the official c2e2 right brew. right and uh yeah it's a it's a it's an ipa uh but it's yeah it's a, it's a nice ipa i enjoy it and so i'll be uh, i'll be sipping on that and if uh if you're in town this weekend for uh for c2e2 you should um you should come by revolution brewing tonight i'm assuming this is going out uh, on Thursday, and there's going to be an EOC meetup at the Revolution Brewing Tap Room, and I will be there, as will the uh, Around Comics alum, Mr. Brian Salazar. Really? Uh-huh. So what about I'm, Mr. Tom Caters? N- I doubt that, but mm. Tom and I, Tom and I were actually, Tom and I went out, uh, and met up at, at, at Revolution a couple weeks ago. He is doing very well. He is an up and comer in the, the advertising marketing, um, industry. 
and uh no tom's doing great and it was good to see him so uh you know we may we may work on that reunion uh at some point but um uh does he does he love it the advertising gig mm-hmm. yeah he yeah he absolutely loves it okay he hasn't been ground down chewed up and spit out yet i'm glad he loves it but there's part of me that regrets that mind that that special mind that Tom has not being in uh, Wait, though, our neck our neck of the isn't woods. Isn't it so much better though that he's I mean comparatively to do this than being a, an accountant? I mean, oh yeah, he at least he can stretch his creative juices. Oh uh, yeah, he, what you mean, he's, he's like he's like Chris. I sit around and I write jokes all day. I'm just <laughs> like, okay, okay, I can. Yes, I'm very happy for you, sir. So yeah, no, well, I don't, I don't yeah. care what he's doing as long as he loves it. Oh yeah, he's yeah, he absolutely absolutely loves what he's doing. Good for so, him. Yeah, but we gotta you know, we'll we'll get the we'll get the gang back together again at some point. We might even put a microphone in front of it, or we might not. Um but to uh to update people that are in town for C two E two, uh we'll be doing the Revolution Brewing uh tap room get together and then Challengers is going to have a pre C2E2, uh, party tomorrow night or, or tonight as this comes out. And then, uh, I'll be there on Friday, maybe Saturday, but, uh, uh, I've got softball on Sunday, but, uh, no, it, it looks like it's going to be a good show and, uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing some, uh, friendly faces. I know Pat Wojka is already in town. I've been, I've been seeing him post about his, uh, he was, uh, at, at the top of the Sears Tower today. Uh, we have, uh, the writer of the most controversial book in comics, uh, Mr. Will Piper is going to be coming in. <laughs> that's ins- what are you talking about? Teen Titans? Yeah, that's, controversy. that's, that's insane. It's insane. We've, we've been, we've been texting back and forth and I'm like, Will, what the fuck is it with you in controversial comics? And he's like, I, I know. Talk- <laughs> if we can talk about that later, I want to talk about it. Let's talk about it now. Well, we, okay, can I do a thank you first? No. No. Let's talk about it now. Well, I, well I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, I got a package from someone I think we all know as one of the kindest, uh, guys, and he's also one of, uh, a very knowledgeable guy on a lot of subjects. I'm talking about Bill Z. Oh, I'll see him tomorrow. Yeah, we all know Bill Bill Zanowitz. Yeah, he sent he sent me a pair of one piece Tankabon, so I get to look at uh, this one of the best comics ever made in its native language. Right? He sent me a disc with stuff on it. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and he sent me from the Kirby Museum. I guess they they did a little fundraiser of they printed a facsimile edition which is kind of like a little bigger than a mini comic and it looks like an ash can of kirby's pencils for the street code story that's a great story and you get to see kirby's pencils in the raw baby with stuff in the margins that he wrote in there and it's beautiful and bill sent these to me and i also got a kirby museum uh pamphlet like a flyer that you get when you go in you take one i got one of them so, thank you, Bill. This is awesome. That's awesome. He knows. I look forward. He to, knows. I look, so I, look, well. I look forward to seeing what Bill brought me in in, in town this week. And and the reason why I, I said knowledgeable, if you know Bill, if you ever talk to Bill, and you get him started on the subject of music, forget it. Oh yeah. You're done. He he knows so much. I mean, he's one of the he's the leader of music information. 
big brain, huge guy, huge brain, and he just knows everything. Yeah, yeah and I, guy. I just love to listen to him. I could sit there and listen to Bill all night, talk about music. There you go. So thank you. All right. Now we can talk about Mr. Will Pfeiffer, if you'd like. No. Oh, you did. You just said we were going on. You said you wanted to talk about the cover. I think it's crazy that someone would get upset over that freaking cover. No, 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 no. It's well, not no, that. No, no, no. It's That's someone. Someone was giving a critique on the cover, which is fine. Which is what we all do. The controversy is the way the people boop. reacted no, the to her right. critique oh, and I threatening her with rape. Was- who? Who threatened who with rape? Dude, I just asshole you fan think, boys, asshole no. fanboys. My God, I'm I'm in, the, I'm in the biggest cave ever, and I know more about this shit than you do, Vince. <laughs> and you wanted to talk about it, Vince? No, because here's what I saw. I saw people bitching about the cover, saying that it it oversexualized Cassie. Yeah. Okay. Yes, her but, boobs, but that's not why it's blown big. up. What's blown up is that, and then as a result the of her criticism. She got flamed by tons of fanboys, and including someone who threatened to rape her over it. Get out of here! That's crazy. which then prompted lots of responses, including Will had wrote an op-ed on CBR in response to the dude's threats of oh. rape and talking about how you know that's just horrific and appalling. And he, it's uh, and it's just it's a real shame to be honest because yes. I mean Will even mentions in his op-ed about the whole thing that he's the guy that wrote Amazon's attack and he knows what it's like to get negative criticism and he lives with it but it's just a bummer that you know he let's be honest I mean Will hadn't really been doing the comics thing on a regular basis for a little bit here and he's been and he's back in in the good graces of DC and I I just it breaks my heart that something silly like this is is casting a negative light right from the outset before anyone's even judged the book yeah, I don't know about that, but I think no. There's you don't there's know no about that. What do you mean? What's there not? To no, do? I don't. I don't think there's bad publicity. There's going to be eyes on the book either way, which is kind of good, but not this way. Well, I wouldn't I want mean, it this way. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. I hope you're right. Thing, thing, I didn't follow the obviously didn't follow the thread to its completion. I just saw that part where they were bitching about the the size of her boobs and she's she's the sexuality of the character is much too overt, and and, and I was thinking that that's insane to bitch about that because. It's nothing more than an artist and a publisher pandering to their largest customer base. Do you bitch about Sports Illustrated publishing an annual swimsuit issue? They're playing up to their audience. Superhero comics, the big two especially, is a boys club. It's always been a boys club. It's always going to be a boys club. So bitching about over-sexualized female characters, that's what the fan base wants, right? So that's the part I took issue with. I didn't know anything about this rape thing. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You don't agree with me that it's a boys' club? Uh, I don't know how you could dispute that. I mean, I do think it's changing slowly but surely. I think, uh, in fact, it, there's been so. I mean, this has been one of many female-related issues of late in the comics world, where we seem to have a little trend here, including the WonderCon T-shirt as well about oh fangirls. My God, but fucking started. but um, but I mean, I mean, from what I've seen from all of this, I mean, and I don't know, I don't know the numbers behind these stats, but. Accordingly, uh, women are the fastest and only major growth component of comics readership right now. Well, that's because they're the lowest. They can only go up. No, but I think the stat said that more than 50% of readers over the last five years, new readers have been women. Now, again, that's, that's a, an industry stat. I don't know how they computed it, but, but I, I, so I don't, I think it has largely and long time been a boys club, but I think that 
yeah. the last few years we've finally seen a break in that trend, but it's obviously still massively driven. Which by. is cool. Yeah. It's cool, right? But I mean, if you look at the the female characters since day one, starting with Wonder Woman, overly sexualized. It was the whole thing was the bondage play, right? And and I, and I was thinking about all the major female characters. They're all overtly sexualized, like um, well, She-Hulk. Uh, she, if 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 the formula worked on Jen the way it worked on Bruce, she would be an ugly son of a bitch the, when she hulked out. Both, but she wasn't. Both, she was a beautiful woman. Both gen- you know, both genders are over overly exactly. Sexualized, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But yeah. but they are overly sexualized from the male perspective. Of course, yeah. So it's the, the male characters are the you know the the overly sexualized versions as we would think of them. And, and so are women. Now this is, I think a natural, a natural evolution of fandom and, and comics and social media coming together. And it's going to create stuff like what we saw this week. Okay. You're going from a, a niche hobby that, has for decades now been enjoyed by a largely male, predominantly male, predom- yeah. predominantly male um, market. Um, uh, in you know, let's let's admit it. In solitude, I mean, we're all the the nerdy, fat, pimply boys reading comics, you know, in our, in our bedrooms or basements or whatever. And, and it's, and no, I'm serious. It's, it's a very, it, it was for a long time, a very solitary, inclusive hobby. And, and it was escapism. It was something that was, yeah, we had friends that read comics, but it was a very solitary hobby. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Over the last 15 years, this particular hobby has changed a lot. It has become very mainstream. It has become widely accepted. It is the biggest box office earner at, at the at the movie theaters. There, it's Walking Dead is you know a number one cable show. It has become absolutely mainstream, and I think that there is a tremendous amount of resentment from the old school fanboys that are like, you know what? I suffered for my love of this hobby lifestyle nerdy geekism, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I suffered for that. So how dare you jump on this bandwagon and act like you are a quote unquote geek. You don't deserve that. Now I think I, I don't yeah, agree with that, but I, I don't know. No, I, I see. I yeah, I, you're right. The, I think that is the mentality and I, whether it's, whether it's intentional or subconscious, that is what is going on. And then you take it a step further. It's like, hey, geeky guys, and I'm in this category. Hey, we've all had our issues with the opposite sex. And now to see very attractive, well-spoken, smart, and, and interesting women be interested in the things that we were interested growing up in or, you know, or, or are still, you know, interested in, but, there was a time in our lives where it's like those 
types of women would not give us the time of day. I think there's a tremendous amount of resentment about that. And it manifests, it manifests itself in this. I like fangirls. Like I like my coffee. I hate coffee t-shirt and it's, it, is it a fucking problem? Absolutely. Do people need to get fucking over it? Absolutely. But that's where it's coming from. I say, I don't, I don't know about the, the veracity of this suffering stuff. Because, you know, if you trace, trace the, the, uh, the publishing output, especially from the big two, there was a time when they were moving millions of copies. So. But, but there was, the, but, the, but there was no internet, there was no social media, there was right, no media right, groups but, that, or, so this, or, this it, is it was a, millions of very isolated people. That's a lot of isolated people. Yes, but what I'm saying is, in in the 70s, these comics sold gangbusters, and then there was a period where it started to they newsstands they moved millions of comics to who to people. I don't know now, who was buying them. They were, I'm saying they were selling to a lot of young boys, right? But they were selling, is what I'm saying. They so were if these to people, a lot of young boys. This so in, they, in the last 15 years. We have seen an explosion in female readership, and you know what? We're not prepared to emotionally fucking handle it. But, but what I'm saying is, it, there wasn't a stigma to read comics in the 70s. Everyone read them. What? Everyone read comics in the 70s. The newsstands were choked with comics. It, it, everybody in the neighborhood read them. Everybody in the well, neighborhood there was traced, a stigma in the eighties. Like, that's exactly when it happened. Yeah. There, there's there's a period of time, the late er, like the early eighties to about I don't even know. There, there's like a ten year span where this whole geek thing started. Like it's if you read comics for a nerd, it was when it was the I think the uh, the switch over to direct market was a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so if people are are suffering for for their their love of comics, that's a really narrow window, and I don't think there was a whole lot of suffering no. going. What do you mean? Just well, like a, define narrow window. It's not a whole lot of time. It's like from the time that a, that's a, 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 a better part of a generation. Ten years is not a generation. It's a if better you said that, part of a generation. Right, but if this thing started in the in the early nineties to no, get no, better, no, no, or, no, 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 so start. Back it up to about 1982. Okay, but and then there's well, an upswing. There, there was a huge upswing in the 90s, yeah. and then the box yeah. fell out. So, so pretty much anyone that started reading comics from about 1982 forward is who we're talking about. I think it has a lot to do with entitlement too. Woe is me. I'm, I'm, I'm such a. Um, oh, absolutely. Devoted to this art form and nobody understands me and, you know, I can't deal with, I'm not saying, I mean, this could be a problem, but the dealing with women problem, but I have enough, that has nothing to do with comics. I think that's, that's a personal issue. Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you, you have a hard time dealing with women and, you know, are you, comics are you pointing at me? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. In general, but no, and I think the I think the other interesting thing is that you know it's always been a very select club, and that and that's fine. But that's but, very... but comic book fans and and fans of any sort of niche interest, no matter what it is, are constantly trying to tell people how cool it is and how awesome it is, and you know try this and read this and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden when. All of their coworkers are talking about how they love The Walking Dead. It's like, oh, uh, well, I was reading that way before you thought it was cool. 
And so there's a resentment of, well, this is mine. And, you know, how, how dare you think that you know more or appreciate this more than me? It turns into this fucking hipster attitude of why well, I, I listened to that band way it's before. It's just childlike. You Absolutely. It's, it's childlike. It's childlike. Why, why do you, so who cares if you were the first to read Apparently it? Big deal. a lot of people. Because, right. Can't you? Yeah. Because that's uh, where all this bullshit is coming from. If you were so devoted to the art form, wouldn't you be very happy that the creators you love so much are getting more attention? No, because it makes, doesn't make no, sense. It makes you less special. Ah, oh, too bad. Seek counseling. Uh huh. Yes. Please. Yes. But yeah, I'm just again about the 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 female thing. I I don't think that's a, a problem exclusive to comics. Whenever you get a bunch of guys in a in a room, oh. That kind of attitude creeps, bubbles up to the surface. Yeah. Jason, yeah. Jason, you deal with this with, you know, you write about fantasy football and that is a very heavily male dominated industry. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, but what is the reaction whenever there is, you know, and, and I love, you know, the, the league. If you ever watch the league, you know, I yeah. love the, 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 the female fantasy football owners and, it's it's that kind of oddity of an actual woman enjoying this very male dominated interest. Yeah, well, perfect example. There's a um, so Sirius XM has has a fantasy a twenty four seven fantasy sports station, um, and there is a female analyst named Jennifer Millman, and she's on the drive time show during football season a decent amount. She call, comes in and, and with the regular hosts. I think the regular hosts in the morning are fine and they're good guys, but to, to your point, Chris, I'm stunned at the, at, at what goes on. Like she'll come on and every time she's on, there's this shtick where the one co-host keeps making sexual innuendos to her. Oh, you're going to take, I'm going to take you out. Oh, it's going to, you know, and it, it, it's yeah. nonstop and she handles it like a pro. She jokes back. She pushes back. She says never, you know, she blows them off, says never in her wildest dreams. You wish, but literally she can't come on the show and just be an analyst. Yeah. Like she has right. to be the woman in the room who the dude's trying to hit on instead of there's, her just there's, being. Animals. There's got to be. There's got to be a dick joke in there. Right. It's it's yeah. it's it's and and she, again, she doesn't express any issue with this, but I I cringe every time she's on because of that. I think God, I'm like Jennifer's a smart, intelligent woman who knows her stuff. Like that should be enough. She should. And if, and like, if, the, if I come if on the, a show, if the, if the roles guess, like, were reversed, people don't make jokes with yeah. me. They just ask me questions. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. you know and um. But Vince, I mean, the one thing I will say, and, and it, obviously you're caught unaware here because you weren't you weren't aware of how deep these issues I go. Didn't, I didn't know about the rape. But I will that's, tell you though that, that 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 Jane Aslan, who's the one that's, that wrote the critique of the cover, and then was threatened with rape by one of Brett Booth's fans, and Brett Booth, by the way, attacked her pretty viciously himself. Yeah, um, and he's not even the artist, but right. Um, um, the, the thing I will say about this is is um, it, I have been following this with 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 interest, and and this combined with the WonderCon T-shirt thing. You know, I thought Greg Rucker wrote an awesome op-ed piece. Um, yeah. There's been lots of others. Um, Marjorie Liu wrote a piece in response to this stuff. Uh, there's been lots, but but I will say this: um, much like we when we get into conversations about race, um, you know, I, and, and I'm going to say this as bluntly as I can: we are four soon-to-be middle-aged white guys. And and that doesn't mean that we can't be no no that doesn't mean that we can't be sensitive to the issues of racial or sexual injustice. I mean, you know, David is no secret; he's married to a black woman. Um, but 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 I I think again, if you have 
close friends or family that have dealt with these issues, whether it be sexual orientation or sexism or racial discrimination, it's one thing for us to be sensitive conceptually to these issues. It's entirely another to be a minority and suffer through these issues. And while I'd like to think that we collectively and, and speaking personally are relatively enlightened about the, 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 the things that minority interests have to deal with. We're the not. simple fact is, is our yeah. perspective is yeah. definitely different, even when we think it is aligned. And I can tell you, it has been very informative to me personally in the last two weeks with all the stuff going down to realize that in this particular case, I genuinely can say now today as we do the show that I didn't realize how rampant sexual harassment and discrimination is in the comic book industry. Did I know it was a boys network? Of course. Did I know it was primarily catered to, to men and male readers? Yes, of course. Did I realize though the level of degradation and professional impediment that women deal with on a regular basis as though they're expected to? I had no idea. And it is, and, and, and I will tell you that while certainly Sexism definitely exists throughout the, the world in lots of professions, and there's still a glass ceiling. I can say definitively that comics has a lot of room for improvement yeah, based oh yeah. on the responses I've seen from women in the industry as well as men who know these women in their situations. That's all I want to say. I, I don't – again, I'm not judging this particular instance or, 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 or the merits of her criticism or any of that, but I will say that – the amount of women that have come forward following this to share their own experiences in this industry, it's pretty disgusting. It's, it's Show me some links. It's just, yeah, I, I, mean, just, I missed yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, well, you, I mean, well, there's here, a million here, of them, but yeah. Even here, the Daily here, Beast brought it up. Yeah. Here, here's a big thing, though. And this cover and the cover c- critique uncovered a lot of a lot of issues in the industry. And stuff that needs to be addressed, stuff that absolutely needs to be talked about, does not need to be swept under the carpet, does not need to be made light of. But as someone who is admittedly a friend of the person writing the comic that this is taking place in, please do not boycott Teen Titans because of a cover that uncovered this stuff. Yeah, but the whole uh, all the all the negative shit that's being thrown is not from anyone involved in the comic, right? Well, from what, from what yeah, I'm hearing, exa- exactly. It's not. It's it's a Roca Four color cover. It's Will Pfeiffer is, is writing the comic, and and this gal and I don't. I, what's her name again? She was a former DC editor. Jane Aslan. Um, wrote a, a very thoughtful critique of a cover that was probably rushed to press because that's, you know, once again, it's a monthly uh, industry and sometimes shit has to get out. And was it a good cover? No, probably not. Was it? Oh, I think it's very good. Was it, was it different from most of the covers that, that we see on a, on a monthly basis? No, not really. Um, but it kind of brought to light, some of the, the, the imagery and, and attitudes in the industry. And then it was really the comments on that particular critique that this is coming from. And it is some pretty mindless, 
uh, fanboys and, and even beyond that, that are, are showing, showing some very nasty sides to this industry yeah. and to fandom and don't take it out on the comic, take it out on th- the horrible facets of fandom and the industry that it's being that 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 are showing their their ass is is kind of kind of where I am. So and I will say this: I I I read her critique after the stuff blew up. I didn't mm-hmm. for critique initially, and while I don't necessarily find it egregious this cover, I don't find her very measured and calm critique of what bothers her about it to be at all wrong, particularly from a woman's perspective. Sure. I, right. I, Uh, To your point, Vince, I mean, I don't think she once contends that this isn't a relatively common type of cover, and I think that's one of her points. Even even in the criticism, she says, if this were the cover to issue number 40, one that was aimed at the same comics audience that buys these kind of comics for decades, it would be understandable. But this is a new number one issue for a major DC property that's meant to entice new readers, and the only group of new readership demographically are young women. Yep. And so if you're really trying to get new readers, this probably wasn't your best foot forward. And I don't think this, any of that this, is wrong. I don't think, yeah, this, I think has, right now. this has, this has a chance to be, or it had a chance to be an iconic cover. And it's not. It is a stock, could have been the cover to issue 40 cover. And that's yeah. a bit, that's a big, you look at, do you know what the cover to New Teen Titans number one looked like? Yes, mm-hmm. because it's an iconic cover. <clears throat> Why pass up the chance to make a statement with a book that could communicate right. with with a with a new audience with a you know to to be a voice for going forward and and a cover has a huge statement on that and they they pass that up is it a terrible cover mm-hmm. eh, no it's it's by right. today's cover standards it's fine did they pass up a chance to make a statement absolutely i and, mean listen you know, to this and, she, yeah. well that's a problem at the design she stage she puts great numbers well, behind it too. At, like she, at the editorial she, stage as she well. points out that there are um on facebook there's a a teen titans page for the animated show from a few years back yeah. There are 500,000 fans of that page. 260,000 of those fans are women. Mm-hmm. So, right, so her point is more than half of the fans of this show are women. Um, of that, the majority of those 500,000 fans are uh, 15 to 23-year-olds, with most of them being teenagers. She then points out that the, the current DC 52 Teen Titans was selling 26,000 copies before it was canceled. So... You know, you need one tenth of the female readership to decide to try this comic, and you've got double the sales. But instead, yep. they're just marketing it to the same twenty-five thousand old dudes like us that were going to buy Teen Titans regardless of who was making it and how it looked, because they always buy Teen Titans, just like I'm going to always yeah. buy Wolverine, even if it, you know what I mean? Like, so her point is very well made, and again, it's it's not so that, that the thing is, is her point could extend to lots of other mainstream comics too. Right, right. And, that spe- speaks a lot about the public. Right, and that, right. And then, and, 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 and again, she she doesn't like. And the other thing that that really is perplexing about this whole thing is, it's not like she did a flame war. It's not like she's some, no. you know, uh, like blogger who wrote this incendiary thing. Like, you know, some uber. You know, uber feminist, I hate men. You know, it wasn't even, it was, it was such a balanced critique. And again, as Will says in his response, 
He doesn't necessarily agree with her analysis of the cover, um, but he damn sure is mortified at the reaction to her critique of the cover, sure. even though For he's sure. the one writing the book. You know, Will's sure. a sweetheart. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just goes back to. I mean, I I firmly believe that the only thing that matures in in humanity is our bodies. <laughs> we are we are children trapped right. in 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 aging, just you know, decaying shells sure. uh, even you got your president uh, no matter how high you are up you're still a kid in a in an aging body and some people just show it i mean they 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 just cannot deal with social situations and to to threaten rape over something they read well, is it's it's, it's, it's insane it's inexcusable but it but, is. but to go to jason's point who are the people that are being upset about this it's the people that she is is pointing out this comic is being marketed to you and you are a dinosaur. You are not the people that need to be reading this because there's an entire other market that this should be appealing to. So it's the people that 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 this is being marketed to wrongly that are being upset. You know what? I I would be that person. They should not be marketing a new teen titans book towards me because a teen focused book if it appeals to me they're doing it wrong but that's see that's a problem with both of the publishers they haven't changed their methodology methodology in decades that's it's just they've been playing to the same audience because that's the people they believe are buying the book now now listen i i think we don't want to paint with a broad brush here we have to be real careful uh both companies put out a lot of books each 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 month. I, I think um, yeah. I'm not reading as much. I think. Well, no. Let me I think this, wait. wait don't, don't, all right. I just want to say Ms. Marvel. But go that's ahead. what I was going to say. The, I'm I'm much more familiar with what Marvel's doing currently, so I don't right. want to make this Marvel's doing it right, DC's doing it wrong. I just I don't I'm not as familiar right now with DC's line. So I, I please listeners don't take this as me saying oh Marvel's doing it right, DC. Right. But right. I am very familiar with Marvel's line from top to bottom. And to your point. They're doing lots of things that are incremental. You know, Kelly Sue DeConnick is, she's the new it girl, or the it person. Sorry, I don't mean to be sexist. The it, it creator. She's been, I think she was nominated for an Eisner. She's this year's best writer. She, you know, uh, they're, they're putting a lot of power behind her to expand her influence on the line. You've got Captain Marvel. Is it good? Is, is her stuff good? Uh, what the, I mean, it all depends on the book. I, I like I, I like some of her stuff. I, I don't care for some of her stuff. But the point yeah. is, it's resonating with a lot of, of people. I mean, I think there's an entire yeah. audience reading Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel that aren't reading many other, if yeah. any, superhero comics. But, and, and, and step well, in the right direction. You know, I, I asked this, and and it's probably gonna someone is going to be pissed off for me saying this. I, I haven't been keeping up with the Marvel stuff. I'm a little skeptical about that. And I know that she has written some good stuff. I don't know if it sends the best message because she is the wife of a quote unquote architect. But that's, that, that may have been a fair criticism when she got Sif number one. Yeah. That's not a fair criticism anymore. She, she's stood on her own now. She's done enough work. Again, she was nominated okay. for best writer as an Eisner. She's up against her husband. I mean, it's not, you okay. know, the, the Eisners didn't make an agenda let's give matt fraction's wife a nomination for the eisner right so no but but, I mean, I, but i but i still think it's a valid question of why is she writing and 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 i'm i've i've read some of her stuff and she is a good writer and i'm not saying that she's not but i think that that is it that leaves a shadow of a doubt maybe for you i guess my only point on that is that is that 
This is an incestuous industry. Everyone has a different path to, to their opportunity. And to me, that's no different than the guys that got a job at DC because they were Jeff Johns's boys. Um, or the fact that Hickman, Hickman's nightly news caught Bendis's eye and he said, let's give this guy a job at Marvel. I, I don't, I, I, to me, oh. you, you can get her, the fact she was married to Matt might have gotten her in the door, but she had to earn it to stay because we okay. could come up with a list of a hundred guys and women that got jobs at Marvel and DC as writers that have fallen flat on their asses. Um, despite mm-hmm. many opportunities, I, I can't think of the dude that did the whole dead cat thing with, uh, Roy Harper, uh, or Harper. Um, but he was one of John, he was like John's his personal assistant, right? Oh, and then he, uh, not, not Kreisberg. Uh, um, no, no, um, no, cause Krull? he's to an arrow. Yeah. Uh, JT Kroll. Yeah. JT Kroll. He was, he was, he was Jeff John's personal assistant. He may still be actually, he got it. <laughs> no, and let's be honest. No. He got that gig and he got a couple big books. He had that first one shot, which the people like the blackest night thing. Then was he got a couple regular books. He was yeah. destroyed for it, and he's I don't think he's doing much now. But my point is there's lots of guys and women that have gotten opportunities and fall flat in their face. I think mm-hmm. Kelly Sue, regardless of whether her personal writing style may appeal to you or me or anyone else, she has earned her stripes now. She number one moves she she moves units. She has done a bunch of different books and she has definitely created diversity in both the fandom and the work. Um, okay. But also, it's not just that. I mean, we talked about Ghost Rider last week or two weeks ago. You know, he's a young Hispanic guy with a disabled brother. Like, it's little things like that that matter. Um, do they get it all right? Absolutely not. I mean, do I, you could flip side and say, well, you've got basically the um, you've got the the Black Avengers book, right? Which Greg with Greg Land drawing it, and it's like, if you're really going to be diverse, why are you choosing a guy that uses? Yeah white Caucasian porn stars as his screen caps and then he and then he colors them, you know, brown like for African American heroes. Like that's a bad look, right? Like Monica Rambeau shouldn't look like Jenna Jameson. Like but she does because that's Greg Land. Like so they do not get it all right. You know, they do not get it all right. Greg Land should not be drawing that book because if you're gonna draw a book featuring minorities, give someone who understands that minorities don't look like Jenna Jameson with brown skin. Like you know what I mean? Like like so they don't get it all right. But my point is Change is good. It's definitely happening slower than it should. There are definitely positives that we can point to, but I, again, getting back to what I said a few minutes ago, the, the response from women in this industry making their livings or trying to make a living and their willingness to share their experiences makes me realize that just speaking on the business side, not the creative output, but the business side has got a tremendous room for improvement. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you look at your history, character concepts and design, especially for female characters, has almost always been exploitative. Almost always. Um, you look at the She-Hulk, right? You look at uh, Black Widow, mm-hmm. um, Gamora, uh, over at these, over at DC, uh, Power Girl. The boob window. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is yeah. egregious right there. So, and Harley Quinn is a sex pot. Uh, if, if there's a female character in all of these, in these two universes, chances are really good that they're going to be yeah. buxom and, and exploit certain characteristics of these characters. Like the She-Hulk transforms not into a, a monster. She transforms into a gorgeous Amazon, sure. gorgeous green Amazon, like, and her clothes rip, you know, so. And by the way, it's, it's sexist. a problem that's always existed. It's also sexist companies. to assume that as a rule, women don't appreciate, uh, objectification visually of the female form because plenty of women, including some I listen to their podcasts, enjoy 
Steve Mannion's work and um, uh, sure. the name escapes me, the guy that does um, uh, uh, Empowered. Um, Adam Warren. Adam Warren. Adam Warren's work and, uh, and, and Amanda Connor's work. And it, it, there are plenty of women that find cheesecake or uh, you know, disproportionate anatomy depictions of, of women and men totally fun and, and enjoyable. So it's not like a, oh, you know, you, you, it's so gross for you. It, it, that's not even the issue. Just the issue is again, the decisions behind why they're doing it, right? Um, cause I'll be honest well, with you, Vince. You know, I mean, I, I, speaking I, I, of this cover, I don't find, I think the way that, that, and I love Roquefort, but I think that is an abysmal depiction of wonder of wonder girl i, I think yeah, it's, it's like it's, i think it's, it's just obviously it's just the, the the boobs it's not that the boobs are big it's that they look like they're giant fake stripper boobs and right and why that, would she and that, she's a teenager why would she have big fake stripper boobs exactly like, well because she, because she's trying mm-hmm. to appeal to an audience that enjoys big fake strip stripper boobs uh, but i'm a but i look you know i love cheese <laughs> i love cheese but i don't i mean i'm look we, let's be honest i mean i think most of our listeners is watch or have watched porn I, I don't personally like big fake boobs i don't find them Same attractive I, I you well, know i've been to strip clubs with friends and best i i genuinely boy, do not boy, find them boy, attractive boy, I, boy are we uncovering a, a whole other layer it's you know it you know what it shouldn't it shouldn't matter how she's drawn to attract you in a sexual way jason that should have nothing to do with it it should be to depict that character in as realistic a way as possible. It in, should in superhero comics. It should not be Title there. Title T Titans. It should not be there to titillate you. Well, I don't well, think titillation is wrong. I, I don't like. I don't. I agree with you're saying, Chris. It shouldn't have to titillate. I don't think there's anything wrong with because again, they are theoretically physical perfections. Yeah, both the men and the women. But, I don't, so I don't mind if she's drawn where you look at her and say, if if I saw a woman that looked like that in real life, I would. My jaw will be on the floor because again, we are human. The goal, should, the goal should not be to titillate you. Well, again, it depends. I, I don't. I no, know what you're saying. Depend. Well, no, for you, it doesn't depend. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a characters being drawn and sexually attractive. I think that is perfectly that, reasonable. That that's why. Be, that that's why. Not, that should not be the goal. Again, it's, I don't. It, I don't necessarily that, that agree with you because. Com- that kind of comic, the goal should not be to draw those characters with the goal of being sexually titillating. They should be drawn. Well, there can be multiple goals. Again, I'll like Captain America, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. They don't have to cast Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, but she happens. And I know David's gonna. It's not his cup of tea, but she is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful women in the world. You know, she's sure. she's definitely. She may not be. A particular person's cup of tea, but but in terms of a consensus, she's considered drop dead gorgeous by many many people. They don't. To your point, I mean, they're not casting her just because she's a good actress. I mean, they could cast Sally Field in the role. I'm sure she could play the part from a from an acting standpoint. But you're not. So so again, I don't think there's anything wrong with depicting people that are physically attractive because they are physically perf- perfect. That's the part that, kind of the mythos that, of being a superheroine. But, but that shouldn't be the onus. That shouldn't be number one on the checklist. Right, but John Byrne drew Cassie as a teen. Yes. And the book didn't sell. He drew her in the in the class in a a, a realistic teen body set. Small breasts because she's a kid. 
small body, you know, kind of mousy, and Wonder Woman did not sell. Okay, but, so but what about you got to What about uh, I'm, ju- I'm just saying, if the goal, if you're using the old yeah, mindset but, but, that these publishers when, have, wait a minute, when, wait when, one second, when was that? wait a second, can you wait? No, can I'm you asking. Wait a second. I'm asking when when did he do that? If the goal is to move comics. If that's the old mindset is to move comics to an audience you perceive to be predominantly male, of course they're going to enlarge the breasts. Of course they're going to play up the sexual aspects of it. And Burns' Wonder Woman was in the 90s, late 90s, I believe. Different audience. It's not a different audience. It's always it's always been men. No, so the audience hasn't changed in the last 20 years. Not from the publisher's perception of the audience, no. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. That's not what I asked. But no, but that's not the point I'm making. The point is the publishers are playing to the old mindset, believing that their audience is all men or mostly men. So, of course, you would tighten the ass, lift the boobs, make them bigger. You know what I mean? Drop the neckline. That's what they think is going to sell. But obviously, their audience is changing, and they're not really aware of it. But hold on, I mean, or, or if they're not aware okay. of it, they're not playing. So we're we agreeing that are we agreeing that Perez and Wolfman is the definitive Teen Titans run? Sure, we all can agree with yeah. that, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, Tara was drawn with small breasts yep. and a small ass and yep. teat and boyish. She looked like yep. a little boy, frankly. And but don't forget, she was also written to be having sex with an older man. But that's my point. She wasn't yeah. drawn. She was drawn. No, she wasn't drawn, but she was still sexual. Yes, but that's not, not overtly. But, but that's. Impl- but my point is, is again, it's a physical depiction. It, the, what makes a person a person doesn't need to be uh, built like a brick shit house to be sexual, and vice versa. Right, but I mean, there are women even... who are who are who are penthouse pets that that frankly are horrendous in bed because sure. So it's, right. they're not they're Does not it make creepier though that Perez drew her like a kid and she was having sex. Yeah, but I'm I'm counting the point that 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 they drew them that way to sell books. Tara was a major character in that run that. One of the most memorable components of it. She wasn't drawn to look sexual. No, no. But I'm, I'm, some part of me almost wishes that she was. I mean, that sting of a kid having sex with a, a older man would have been, wouldn't have been as impactful. I mean, right? Buck, she had buck teeth and she had no ass. I know. And smoke, she was smoke. Freckles. All the time and, yeah. Freckles were, but, um, you know, this whole discussion, discussion, I'm wondering how the hell does Avatar dodge these bullets? Nobody reads them. That, that, that may be it, because I'm thinking these issues are egregious over at Avatar. I mean, wow. They, I mean, if there's a, yeah, well, everything. Up, I mean, that's the one you really want to. Right. Xenoscope. I told yeah. you I met the, the, the publisher of Xenoscope at an Eagles game. And he had two drop dead gorgeous women on his arm. So he, I think he lives that life. But I, I honestly think in those two cases, those are exploitive niches that appeal to a specific readership and don't uh, pretend to do otherwise, right? A fraction, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this argument, and again, this gets kind of back to the whole talk about a roundabout concept, but the, the Kirkman manifesto when he went on his rant saying that the big two had a, special duty that other publishers didn't have to appeal to a broader audience. And whether or not you agree with that, I think that's kind of what this ties back into is that the mainstream two publishers have the ability theoretically because of the breadth of their, of their line and the reach to appeal to other readership groups. And yet they seemingly more times than opt not to bother trying. You know, I was thinking when you, something was brewing when you mentioned Steve Mannion and uh, Adam Warren, uh, Dave Stevens, even, Mm -hmm. 
I think those guys largely get a green light from the, the, the women that read those books because there's a love there, there's a there's an implicit love of the female form with these guys, it, where it doesn't come off so much as exploitative. It comes off as man, I just love drawn women, and and those kind of those kind of books are. I mean, the cheesecake is 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 woven into the fabric of the title. I mean, you can't separate um, empowered with the cheesecake. Th- That's think, part of the that reason a, that it exists. I think that is a huge huge part of this is that. Comic book art and, 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 and this kind of, of illustration has idealized the, the female figure for a long time. And you know what? It's part of it and we like it and it's, it's awesome to look at. But I think that the criticism was largely this was not the comic to do that. And I, I agree with that. And, you know, I like cheesecake art. You know, I love, you know, Frazetta and Bruce Tim. Absolutely. God, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's Frank Cho. And, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that is, that is beautiful and that is awesome. And, and I, I love to look at it. And this comic was probably not the one to, to do that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I've got the new, new Teen Titans omnibus and, you know, I'll look at the first cover and it's like, yeah, it's not showing up there. And even though there were characters on there that became very cheesecakey in their, in their, you know, evolution, but, you know, I think the one you're talking about is pretty much the, the poster child for Starfire. Uh, ex- yeah. 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 Well, I you mean, re- you may remember that uh, Rokafer did the first few issues of Red Hood and the Outlaws in the okay. New Fifty Two relaunch, and there was controversy there because of Starfire being so sexually uh, right. open. And and I actually defended that and thought that was a, a really smart writing decision because she is an alien. Uh, mm-hmm. Why would totally she? Grown. Why wouldn't she view our active copulation as, as something just to do? I mean, she she right. doesn't have the same. She wouldn't have the same moral. Uh, almost religious moral compunction about sex and the, and the ambiguity of, of, of what it means and the, the need, you know, so I was like, that actually is smart. Why wouldn't she be someone that just loves to have sex for the sake of having sex? That, that makes sense to me. Like that's a, that's a decision that makes sense for the character. She's an alien. It's not, she's not a 15 year old girl like Tara was. She's an alien. Like she, she's a wonderfully physically adept, aggressive, Hyper yeah, right. forward alien. I would think she would well, enjoy having her way with men. Yeah, well, we don't. We don't like to think about it, but kids do have sex too. Uh, well, it, sure, it's not something. Sure. Yeah, you know. So, but I, I, I like um, medium sized breasts, and I thought the cover was was. <laughs> I, I thought the cover was. I don't like them big. They're too intimidating. I I, I think the cover was was fine, but Chris is right. Here, For here, a kid, here, here's the thing. not not so is much. That, that cover and why it failed. How old is Cassie anyway? Who cares? She's a she's teenager. Fi- she's, fi- mm-hmm. she's 15. Says she's 15. The, the reason that that cover failed for me is that it didn't, it didn't say we are a team of teens that are, that are off to do good. You know, it was, it was a, a group of individuals that were hanging out, not really concerned about each other. 
and you look at at the 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 great team first issue covers and there's this oneness about them coming from one place and going towards you and there is this this feeling that this is this entryway into this team of of characters and you look at the at this this cover that has sparked this this controversy is that it was a collection of individuals that were totally disinterested in each other and what was going on. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Composition could have been better, yeah. tighter. Yeah, should have yeah. been better. They, the they don't they look do like. Raven? They don't look I like. I know, right? Oh, she I looks that, like um, was it Hawk from Buck Rogers? <laughs> I kind of like that. Um, they, they don't look like friends in this one. They look no. like they're they're yeah. begrudgingly the assembling though, for, for clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I mean benefit of the doubt. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to read oh, it because too. I mean I, 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 you know, will. Don't judge. Don't judge a book by its cover. Right. <laughs> I know Will is. I mean, I read the second part of his Red Hood and the Outlaw story. Mm-hmm. He he's he's nailing it every time out of the gate. Um, and the, the man is an extremely capable writer, a brilliant mind. So should, I'm gonna, should, they, you know, should they not have done an homage to the new Teen Titans number one? Would that not have been awesome? I, I think they should have did uh, a flashback. Not a flashback. Um, an homage. Uh, an homage. Uh, not so much an homage, but I think they should have did the book – in this, uh, in the style, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think Rokafer was the right like, artist like, for this. Like, uh, Giant Size X-Men number one and have, uh, they, have they the should do the throwback. Over. A throwback. Or yeah. they could have done an homage to New Teen Titans number one. If, I, I would have loved to see All Red on this book now that I'm thinking about it. Cause that would have put it right in the no, right mind, yeah. right in the, right in the right. Rokafer's fine. Do He's an great, homage but... to the fucking New Teen Titans number one cover. Done. Yeah, so, it does have so, a... so it, so it could try to live up to that. He, he yes. does have a yes. tendency a to enlarge the breast. David. So. Well, I, yeah. I, I don't know. You have to do an homage cover. I, I, I don't. I mean, better than, cute. Better than the, better than what they did. Well, no, well, sure. I'm saying, but Captain America then for a new then team with a better cover. cover yes. Do what? We got some chaos going on here, one at a time. David, what did you say? I said, do do the uh, Avengers cover with Captain America trying to look for a new team with a bunch of headshots or something. Anything would have been an improvement, whether it was a homage or just pick something. It just, but no, I, 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 I there are a lot of covers these days where I might bitch because that that's just they're just that's a smaller version of a poster that they're if trying there, to sell there, or, or never the inside of the issue. But this cover, it it I. No, it, if, if it didn't have a, a title on it, I it, this would have looked like the page from someone's sketchbook as he was as he was coming up with character designs. If there was ever a time to do an homage cover of a classic DC title that you're reinventing for a new generation, rather than this stock cover of whatever, isn't this it? Do you think that they're going to change the cover before publication date? Wouldn't that be funny if, if it pops up and it's got a different cover? <laughs> um, I think that would be that would be cute, cute and funny. By the um, no, I know that, but no. Uh, by the way, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's not Jane Aslan. It's Janelle. I'm sorry. I don't want to get her name wrong. I I just uh, I really... why not? You got plenty of lead time. Oh, to change the cover? Well, they have to. I mean, yeah. They, I mean, they already paid Rookford to do the cover, though. I mean, pay him again. You've thrown you've thrown money at at, at less uh, impactful stuff. Well, I think so we've probably pay him again. this. 
dead horse. We need to probably. Yeah. Let's talk about some comics other than this one. The Teen Titans. I want to hear from Dap. He was awful silent during that. Yeah, always. It's all silent when we get all heated. He doesn't chime in. No, no. I, there've been, well, well, for one thing, I, I'm keeping an eye on the cat, but the other thing is, um, I just, there wasn't, I just would have added to the noise. So I, I, I saw the cover. So you shut up. Yeah, I figured if someone's going to be noisy, let it be Chris. (laughs) (laughs) There's, but it's going to get lost. I, I already, I've. He's a silent partner. No, there's just, I mean, yeah, it's. He lets us dig our own holes. No, he'll it's be fine, the one to, he'll be the it, one to tamp them down after we're, I, we're if, buried. If, if I agree with someone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna latch on to that. So I'm, I'll, I'll sink with you. It, it, that's not a, there was plenty to be said about it. So it, it's, it's. Yeah. David, I have a really good idea. What's that? Superior Spider-Man 31. How awesome was it? That was a, just thinking about the run as a whole. It was masterful. Is the word you're looking for? It was splendid. I I <laughs> can't. It it really was just a start to finish. It was it was a beautiful arc. It, it 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 was. Let's let's not spoil it for the people because it's still kind of fresh. Yeah, and we'll say David and myself were both wrong. In regards to who, well, okay, it's, yes, yes, it is not, it it did not, Slot did not take it where I thought he was going to take it, but because uh, I'm going to say then, I'm I'm not getting full credit, obviously, I think, I think maybe some partial credit could be applied. He's a crafty bastard, he really is. He, he, he uh, prayed on our emotions as far as Norman Osborn goes. Through that fucking red herring at us, but, 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 but. Because of how things, as, as, because of how Spider-Man left thing, things with Liz. Nobody dies. I'm not, I don't, I don't uh, trust her. I don't either. She's still got some working yes. on her. He had to have done something to her to get her so compliant. She's keep an and, eye it, on her. and you know the one to really keep the eye on? Normie. Normie. Yeah. That, that kid is effed yeah. up. There's something, there's something working on him. Yeah. Um, the, so just to be before you guys keep going, says so if you guys both feel that thirty one stuck the landing. Oh, brilliantly, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, uh, David, I know liked it, but I just want to hear what he has to say. I, it's, it, yes, yes, I think it's stuck the landing. It, it, um, there was, I, I looked at it initially as a way for slot to, without doing a line wide event, without doing a. A, uh, big neon signs and, and huge lit up arrows saying this is a, a reboot where this is starting over. He set everything up where we have, um, oh damn. Things are, things have been reset for pretty much everyone in Peter Parker's life. Yeah. Um, yeah. From. He played in the sandbox. He, he and what he did was he smoothed over the sand when he left yes. for it for, for himself. himself. Yes, not like yeah, he was leaving still. it for anybody else. But he, so he he has um, it. But yeah, no, there are. It's he set it up so that they can hit the ground running because because I think the main story. I mean, and there are th- there are certain things that happened in, in in the first half of the book that I just 
I was giddy as I turned the page and I, I, I told Vince before we started and, and Jason was even checking, but, um, there, there's one particular page that I would love to own from, from this issue. And, um, you know, Slot's worked with some phenomenal artists during, during this. And, yeah. uh, he had, he had his plan first half of Superior 31 was fantastic. The second story, not as strong. Um, and, but it, it was, it, it allowed him to set things up so that there really aren't, there aren't going to be too many questions when you read Amazing Number One next week. And the, um, if I have one nit, it's that slot only plotted the final issue. Yeah, I, was, I think that, I think that shows like a, a, a shining light. I, I think it's, it's glaring that he, that he wasn't the writer of this issue. But. Um, I mean, he pulled it off. Though. It was, it was his story to tell. It was just, it's, it's, it just, he didn't completely tell it. And, uh, I don't think that there were any, I, I don't think there were too many things that, that, that Gage may have said, oh, okay, well, I think Dan wanted to do this and he took it in a different direction. I'm pretty sure Slot said, we need to go here and we need to end here. So don't go too crazy in between. And, and Gage may have just worked within his parameters. Um, I, the, part of me maybe wishes that, uh, the reveal was something else, whether it was my idea or, or something else. I don't know. Um, because it was when Spidey pulled the mask off, his reaction was kind of sort of my reaction. And I, I just wasn't <laughs> sure really how I'm, I was like, wait, I, I need to, which is why after I read it, pretty much first thing I said online was that I, I need to reread this because I, I have to, um, whereas with Ghost Rider number one, I had to reread that right away. And I just, I was so enamored with it and, 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 and it was just, it was all over me. Superior 31, I read it and I go, okay, no, th- this works. I-, I see why this happened, but I just, it didn't completely knock me on my ass. But I, I don't think uh, Christos pulled any strings that weren't indicated to him exactly. by Slot. I mean, he probably just connected the dots Slot told him. And it's not connect. like they didn't pull someone else to write this. Gage has been writing the annuals. He's been writing right. the, the, yeah. uh, the superior things. So it's not like... Um, it's, it's, it's not like they, they asked someone else to come in and fill in. So, right. There was I mean, there. the status quo is, is, uh, righted even for me because now Mary Jane's back on my shit list. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, what else did we get? We got a, an ongoing 2099 Spider-Man by Peter David out of this. What, where's the bad part? You know, we had a great ending, um, surprises. I, I just thought it was a great issue all around. And it, the I return it of the about. Parker Luck, we have, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so and, uh, it, which is what I, I, I was expecting to happen. As soon as all of this went on and, and everything was working out for Otto, you know, when for that other shoot to drop, it, we have to bring things back to just, I mean, no matter how great Peter was and, and Horizon, working at Horizon and, and getting everything that, that he's ever wanted, it just, it was inevitable for, 
for him to just lose it all. And, and whereas I was maybe trying to see how he was going to lose it, it wasn't even Peter Parker who lost it. It, it, it was Otto and, and what Otto did that, that led to things going back for Peter. Yeah. So it, it was unique in that way also. I'm just um, hoping that when Otto comes back, and we all know it's pretty much inevitable, somewhere down the line, Otto sure. will come back. I hope it's Slot that gets to tell that tale. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, great stuff. And um, even Jameson gets his um, wrist slapped a little bit. And, and, and although he does also get to, uh, he, he gets to, to spew some venom hit, uh, at, at yeah, way. This, so it, this this Spidey ship is completely righted at the end of this. Everything went back to the way yes. it's it's always been, which is great. And and I can't wait for Amazing to start again. And it's it's um, and and it's this wasn't Slot Swan song. This wasn't all he did. I mean, he's been writing, he was writing Amazing Spider-Man for Long dozens and dozens of issues before Superior. So he 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 knows the character. He's just it's it's. It's a continuation of his his uh, of what he's doing with the character. I mean, you, if, if there are people who I guess are trying to figure out if 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 Slot is on the same level as Conway or Michelini or or Mackie, and it, it's um you know this is just it's it's this is Slot's story. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to compare him with 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 writers from the 70s and, and the 80s. But he is, with everything he's done with Spider-Man, he is definitely one of the great Spidey writers. Well, I'll, yep. I'll go there with you because I'm not a I'm not as I'm not as consistent a Spider-Man fan as you two are, and b I'm not anywhere near as much of a Dan Slott fan as you guys are in terms of uh, most of the non-Spider-Man stuff he's done. I frankly haven't thought has been that strong. But with that said. In spite of my not thinking he's all that impressive a writer to me in the other stuff he's tried to attack, I would absolutely say it's not hyperbole to suggest that the work he's done on Spider-Man and the related Spider titles in the last, what, six years maybe? Six, seven, five, six years? Yeah. Has been up there with any run that we've had of, of a Marvel writer on a particular character in decades. It's, yep. it's, it's phenomenal. He's, this is clearly a character he loves and he has yes. made his mark on them. I, I, uh, and again, this is from someone that is not, Spider-Man is not in my, you know, must read Marvel <laughs> characters and, and, and Slot is not a must read Marvel writer for me. And I think he's, he, this was a, the totality of his run so far has been an, an A plus. It's, it's, it's up there with Miller Daredevil and, and, and Bendis' best runs and Peter uh, David's Hulk. Peter David's Hulk and, up and, there with, and yeah. with Miller's Daredevil. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Really. Really sure. Yeah. So it's up yeah. there with the greatest comics of all time. Which is uh, all we've been trying to tell you. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that good. And again, I'm not yeah. a, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not any, so Spider-Man's not someone I read for Spider-Man the Spider-Man is up there with Burn Claremont X-Men. It's well, up there I would with Burn Fantastic the, Four. Yeah. I would put Baron Claremont X-Men as my all time. So I wouldn't put it that high, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, so, I mean, it's up so, there with Simon's so, and Thor. So, so Simon's it's up there with Simonson's Thor yep. and Miller's Daredevil. Yep. Yeah, I would say so. As far as an so it is in the top five of all time comics ever. Chris, it was real. Don't be facetious. It was really. <laughs> I'm not good. being facetious. I'm saying. Well, you, you are because you, you're you, you no, haven't read no, it I'm and saying, you're, it's, you're it's, taking it's, issue it's, with it. No, like you're incredulous. No, you're saying it's in the top five comics of all time. 
No, you're saying Wrong. that. I'm saying it's in. It's one of the best Marvel runs that I can think of in the last. You're saying years. it's up there with Burn Clamor, X Men, Frank no, Miller, Daredevil. No, Actually, none of us said that. No, we didn't. You that. said it's up there with Frank Miller's Daredevil. Right. I, so yes, how did I we would, get to Burn Claremont next? I would put Burn Claremont ahead of Frank Miller's Daredevil. It's a personal preference. You'd be wrong. But you're, you're saying it's up top five runs of all time. No, none of us said that. I would say it's one of Marvel's better runs in the last 20 years. It, it's well, a pretty definitive okay, look not, at Peter not, Parker. That's not Miller's Daredevil. To you, to me it is. Well, that wasn't 20 years ago, and it's probably... <sighs> Let me the, know when you don't want to argue about something. David, I'm going to make a prediction. Well, I can't, we can't argue. And we all know how oh, my we could if you fucking out. read the book. You haven't read the book. Like you're arguing I'm for the asking, sake of arguing. I'm asking you. We just all said that we thought it was one of the strongest runs we could think of in one character in decades. That was our statement. We all said it. You're trying to fucking pick it apart and argue with us even though you haven't read the fucking series. It's annoying as shit, dude. It really is frustrating. Like, you haven't read it. You can disagree with our assumption, but fucking read it and then tell us if we're right or wrong. My prediction, yes, sir. David, yes, sir. I think, and I'm always wrong, but I think that some of Octopus's love for Anna is going to resonate with Peter. He's going to subconsciously remember that, recall the good times Otto had with Anna and the love he had for her. And I think, uh, I'm sure there's going to be more than one love interest. It's Peter Parker, yeah. right? I think Anna's going to stay in the picture. I want, maybe not right away. Maybe because she 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 literally ran. Right. No, but right. I mean, somewhere along the line, yeah. Peter is going to have feelings there for is, Anna. And he's not going to know why. It's, Anna was Otto's Gwen. Yes, exactly. And they even reinforced that yeah. in this last issue yeah, when she fell. I, I think that was the very best part of the issue, frankly. Yes. Yeah. Anna was a fantastic yeah. character. I I I I wonder if that is based on someone in Slot's life. And, and if we're going to preach diversity in comics. Good point. What yeah. what better way than to have Peter Italian, Parker? Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> and she's let's just say she's she's um, vertically challenged. She's she a short. Is, yes. What better than to say, hey, look? But her attitude every, is bigger than someone twice her her height. It's it's. An, I I, she is great, fantastic. Is a great character, and I I if I if they take votes like they did with Killing Robin, if they take votes on who Peter Parker should be attached to, I think it should be Anna. I like her way better than Mary Jane. And, oh, and she is. Oh, I don't know about that, but she's, she's uh, the, <laughs> no, she's Mary the smartest. She's the smartest woman. Peter has has been. There is just there's something there on a different level that that he he would never have with MJ, and and that he he didn't have with Gwen. So it it. MJ looks good. I mean, so does Anna. MJ, and, but she'd be a little lower. MJ looks good on the arm, but aside from that, yeah, she loves him, but I mean, he can't really have a. He might have an in-depth conversation with her. Can't talk shop right. with her. That's for yeah. sure. He can talk shop with Anna. They both are very brilliant people. Now, I really hope that Slot keeps her around and and makes her attached to, yeah, to same here. Yeah, yeah. I I got something. You do. I sh- I sure do. It it's from DC. Whoa. DC. Yes, I know. But when I come on, I love the the lanterns. I do. <laughs> like like David, I I love the whole lantern concept. And when I heard that one of our friends, one of our buddies, yeah, was was uh, writing uh, a lantern book, I thought I'm going to keep an eye on this. It it was written by Cullen Bond. Yes, it was. He is getting a lot of work these days. I'm on, on both sides of the big two, and even beyond the big two. 
Right, but I'm just saying, you see his name popping up of Deadpool, especially on those Deadpool miniseries yep. he's been writing. He's he now he's over at DC with this, but the one and this was illustrated by Dale Eaglesham. Yes, I'm I'm talking about Sinestro, number one. Okay, all right. I don't have to profess my love for Sinestro. You guys already know. I think he's a great, great I'll character. I agree with you. When this issue starts, Sinestro has isolated himself from everything. He he's he's put himself in self-imposed. Exile because Korrigar is now no more. It's been destroyed. I don't know if that's a spoiler. It was a spoiler for me because I've been reading the Lantern books in collected edition and I didn't know that they destroyed Korrigar. I'm not up to that point. So Korrigar's destroyed. To me. And if there's one thing to which uh, Sinestro is loyal, it is to his people. He has professed to be there for them at all times. I will protect my people, right? Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't do that for whatever reason. Korrigar's destroyed. He's taken it pretty hard, exiles himself. So he's on this planet by himself, supposedly. Uh, the ring, the yellow ring is almost depleted. He's got, he's, he's surviving solely on his wits, his cunning, and his, his strength. Cause these, there's these giant cat-like creatures straight out of, out of Edgar Rice Burroughs. They got 12 legs and four eyes and gigantic feral beasts and they keep trying to kill him. And he, he bests them at every instance, but he notices that they're getting smarter and they're learning from their mistakes. And he's, he pretty much resolves himself to the fact that I'm going to die here, but that's okay. I welcome death. Bring it on. I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. I'm going to die. In pops, someone we've seen before. Lissa Drac. Remember Lissa Drac? Of course, the, yeah. The keeper of the Book of Parallax. Well, she's changed a little bit, uh, <laughs> uh, since I last saw her. Um, she pops in and says, Oh, my sexy Sinestro, you are so needed in this universe. Things are falling apart. We need your leadership. He's like, nah, son, I, I don't want to have any part of it. I'm just going to stay here and die. You, you know, get out of here. But she's like, Arkillo is, is running your, Yellow lanterns into the ground. He's, he's killing them. He's, he's working them like pack mules. He's sending rings out willy nilly to just everybody in the universe that'll profess fealty to him. That anybody that looks up to Arkillo as the leader gets a ring. Um, he, but the worst part about it is he plans to take on the green lanterns with this new army. Sinestro's like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't really care. She also tells him that there's a new threat to the universe. Something or someone called the Pale Vickers. Uh, and, and their thing is, uh, it seems like all these groups have, uh, an emotion or that, that pervades their, their reason for being like, you got the rage, you got the fear, you, you know, every, every color of, of these core have, a, an emotion, corresponding emotion. Well, the pale vickers are anti-emotion. There's no emotion at all. And this, this thing, this paling is spreading throughout the universe. And she says, you know, the one thing that would counter this is fear. That's you, dude. And he's like, nah, I'm, I'm not getting moved. I, I'm staying right here. But when she tells him about Korrigar being destroyed and the fact that there are survivors, he's like, what? So that gets Sinestro to move. 
and the fact that there are still living Korogarians out there in the universe, he wants to round them up. He wants to do right by his people. He wants to, in a sense, I guess, redeem himself. So that gets him moving. This is the coolest part of this issue. Lysidrak, who once held the Book of Parallax, is now the Book of Parallax. The book is physically imprinted on her skin. She's become the book. And when she's in proximity to Sinestro, she's a living yellow lantern battery. She recharges his ring. How cool is that? That's kind of brilliant when you think about it. I, it, that's the hook that got me like, I was reading the book and I'm like, I'm looking at the beautiful art and Eagle Sham is a force, man. Reading, I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, this is gorgeous, man. I love Sinestro. I come to that part. You got me, Colin. That, mm-hmm. I, a conceptual hook like that, that just sucks me right in. So, uh, Sinestro gets off his ass and try, and she tells him, ah, I know where a couple of, of, uh, surviving Korra guardians are. Let's go get him. Uh, so Colin Bunn does this little foreshadowing where he sets up more of this pale vicar storyline. But the end of the issue, Sinestro cons- confronts Arkilla. So this book moves at a nice clip. You would think, eh, let's string it out for six issues and then we'll finally have him, you know, go toe to toe with Arkilla. No, nah, it's right in the first issue. And Arkilla says, um, you're done, pointy ears. Uh, I'm the leader now. And I'm going to take down the lanterns. And Sinestro was like, I don't think so, son. They are way more powerful than you can ever imagine. And you're going to lose. But uh, Arkillo has an ace in the hole. He's got a prisoner. And it's a Green Lantern. And I'm not going to say who it is because I want you to read this issue because it's great. It's an awesome start to this series. Uh, I'm totally enraptured in this book. I'm captivated. I'm going to keep reading it. Mainly because Bunn is such a great writer. I mean, I think they could have put anybody on art, not to slight Eaglesham. He's great. But with a story this strong and a character this vibrant to me, I, I regard Sinestro as highly as I do Doom. Wow. I didn't Wow. No, but, and, but for, because they're almost the same character, right? You got Doom who has done some really despicable things over the years. He, I mean, but the guy has given us, for as many reasons we have to hate Doom and Sinestro, they also give us as many good reasons to, I'm not going to say like them or love them, but to, but to respect them. Yeah. We, we, re, I respect Sinestro. The guy has an undying loyalty to his people. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly intelligent. He, he will stand by, if you're on his team, there's nothing he won't do for you. That's the thing. You have right, to be right, on right. it. So, I mean, the, essentially, I mean, look at Doom. Doom has taken care of the Latverians for uh, as long as he's mm-hmm. been in charge. He, he, he nurtures these people. I'm not saying, you know, he go, walks around shaking hands. He, he's killed in the name of his people, just like, uh, Sinestro has. But th- I gotta admire that. Somebody that driven to, to, to take care of their own. And, and he's proven himself mm-hmm. as a capable leader, a fighter, uh, to a certain extent, a friend. I think Sinestro's the bomb. Yeah. Well, one of the cool things, I think, if you think about one of the, the the best types of villains is what you're getting at, which is that, and Doom shares this as well, someone that that is a villain from our perspective, but in their minds, they're not a villain. They're not, no, they're absolutely... They're, Sinestro does not Right, they're totally justified. And yeah. I think that makes a great character for written well. Yep, yep. And John set the ball in motion. With Sinestro, I mean, I gotta give John's credit. He worked magic with Sinestro. 
And it just seems like the character is, there's so much depth to it that all these guys coming in to take on Sinestro keep ringing these, these just great stories out of them. And, and so I kept the Doom Sinestro comparison going in my head and I'm thinking, Doom has been the subject of a lot of great stories, but not so much recent years. I mean, the last good Doom story was Ed Brubaker's, uh, what was it? The, uh, the books of Doom, right? Mm-hmm. The the last great Doom story was Wade and Ringo, with the the whole journey into hell to to save. Oh right, uh, right, right, yeah. That was that was a great story. But I'm just saying that's the last time Doom has been to me has been great. Sinestro has been great since Johns took over the the core, True. and that's like that's all current. I mean, there hasn't been a, a Sinestro story that hasn't portrayed that character in just like awesome light. So I'm I'm thinking maybe it's time for a really good Doom story. Get on that. I'm trying to think if uh, I would agree with you. I mean, off the top of my head, I guess since I can't think of anything more recent, you I would have to agree with you. Um, I would I would cheat a little bit and say Remender's doing great stuff with Doom, but it's Doom 2099, which is still mm-hmm. Doom, right? So I mean, the the whole uh, Uncanny Avengers is making good use of Doom. So maybe maybe that is our our Doom story for right now. Hmm. I don't know, but I, I highly suggest checking out Sinestro. It's 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 unlike so far one issue. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's unlike any of the Lantern books. Oh, Ghost Rider was only one issue, and we couldn't get enough of that. So no, I mean, I as soon as I saw Colin was was writing it, I knew I was going to read it. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 on my uh, to do list. I, I really think you're going to love it. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And I and and I am. I am a Sinestro fan, even going all the way back to the Super Friends. It's, um, it's, I, I don't know if I agree with everything that they've done as far as fleshing him out, but I'm glad they did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think I would be Sinestro's friend. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's completely self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, extremely egotistical. Uh, I mean, if there's one person that's right in the universe, it's Sinestro, according to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm at, there's that. Yeah, but very admirable actions on this on the part of this guy. Murder. You know what I have to he, say? Uh, you may have talked me into trying it because I really loved, I guess, like most people, the the height of Johns's run up through the Colored Lanterns, and then I dropped it like it was hot after his run was over, and haven't oh, gone no. back to it. So. Um, do, do now, I, I so how far along are we? I mean, are the, refresh me, are you reading this in issues or is it collected edition yeah, or? The, no, this is, first the, issue this just is, came out, right? Right. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still in the, the first lantern story is in the green lantern stuff. Okay. So that was the last collection that was published and that's, that's what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And it's not that great, right. but yeah. whatever. David was right. I gotta say, David was right. He, he, it's not that good, dude. Like, I gotta get it. It's yeah. not, it's not no, that good. Uh, if it wasn't for Aaron Cooter, it would be incredibly yeah. hard to, to get through. Congrats to Aaron, by the way. Yes, oh, indeed. That on air. No, we married, not. married man now. Yes, good for Yeah, him. and he's, he's writing now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, fucking <laughs> double dippers. The, uh, um, for, for me, I, and it was, it was piss poor timing, I feel. On, on DC's part, I, for me, John's peaked with 
the Sinestro Core War and, and to follow that, you have this momentum and, and instead you decide to just do a six part secret origin. Yeah, that was, just, that was I, strange. I, I, I agree with you there. That, that was strange. No fuck, I mean, and it was, if it was to set up Black Hand, which would eventually give us Blackest Night, but I mean, to just, you, you had this huge fucking high that everybody loved talking about this event. And then we get Hal's origin again. And, you know what? Let's talk about that for a second. I think you could argue that the decision to do these origin stories is, is most often a terrible idea. Cause it wasn't just that. It was, John's did that Superman origin thing again. That was, and, but that, and that was, that, that at least was its own standalone miniseries. So, so that's fair. That's of, fair. And if that, if that, that were to lead, in, lead into the whole Brainiac story and, and the death of Pa Kent, but, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, continue. No, and I was going to say more <laughs> recently, the, the, the Snuts, the, the Snyder Capullo Batman Year Zero. I'm yeah, sorry, dude, I'm, but, but it is completely <laughs> drained the love I had for that book, and that was my favorite DC book. I, it is it is interminably long, and I understand it's a it's a different part of his his origin, but it's still it I don't know I mean I, I, I this should have been a four or five issue thing, and then it should have gotten back to what was happening because they had magic with that book, and yeah. may, maybe others don't see it this way, but I have completely lost interest in the book since this. Started. But you know what this the whole retelling of the origin thing that's a DC staple. It they is. do that. That is a DC thing. Because they, 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 they try to books. make it more, time, more topical, more, more in yeah. the now. And instead of just, you know, leaving it as that, as that fixed point in time, you can just refer back to, but no, now I need to make sure that they're wearing more contemporary clothing. And that this person is the president. And that these are the cars that they're driving. And it's like, if you, those are the little things you don't need to hang up on. But they love, <laughs> they love tweaking the origin so much that they're going to, Relaunch Secret Origins again, and and the, and the subject of the really first issue anymore. No, but I mean the subject of the first issue, Superman again. again but wasn't again because the on because the New Fifty Two books didn't give you enough of an origin. I guess these are the seldom seen. Oh, the in between panels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it it's it speaks to the legacy they they have. There was they've all they've published the Secret Origin series before. Uh, they love their legacy at DC. That's cool, but I, I just think it's redundant. And you're right. The, the Green Lantern Secret Origin was a huge, uh, speed bump. But I will say, it would have all been worthwhile if, say, Johns was, was making his way through the, the Sinestro Core War and he, he got to the resolution he wanted and could not think of what to do next. If, if that Secret Origin was a breather, for John to point the ship in the direction right, that it right, did, yeah. oh, and it was perfectly worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they were like, listen, you know, okay, you guys need to calm down after that great Sinestro Corps war story. Now, yeah. here's, you know, but I mean, it it was it was six issues, and it was right. it, it was stuff we it, there wasn't really anything added to that except. Uh, the, the, well, which we got earlier on in the fucking, in, in when Johns brought him back, but then, you know, it was, it was to let us know that, you know, the, the hand family was the funeral, that the funeral parlor that, you know, it's just, we, yeah. of all the things, it's like, you're just, you're just trying too hard to make connections now. It's like, instead of, but it's what, it's what pissed me, it was the main thing that pissed me off 
Well, no, aside from the dancing. But the main thing that pissed me <laughs> off with Spider-Man 3 was tying fucking Sandman to Uncle Ben's death. It's like, why can't it just be right. a random fucking senseless right, act right. of violence? True. You're true. right. You're right. True. But when you, when you look at Sinestro Corps, and we all thought it was the bomb, and r- rightly so, it, it is, it remains the bomb, but it's only the tip of that, uh, Lantern universe. He did so much with, with the concepts that he only hinted at in, in the, in the Sinestro Corps War. I mean, I, I think it was, that's, John's is, um, that's going to be his tombstone as far as the comics industry industry goes. For me, John's is always going to be tied to the lanterns because I think that's where he worked his best magic. He, I, I, I appreciate John's because of his love for the Silver Age, but for his love of Hal Jordan, he wanted to bring the greatest Green Lantern back, and that's what he did with Rebirth, and and he brought Hal Jordan back. Whereas you know that that was. That was a big stink that nobody wanted to touch. So I he, he, I, <laughs> I appreciate him bringing Hal back and, and what he did with the character. And, and you know, you had people who for years, it's like, uh, like Cyclops. Eh, dude's boring. He's bland. He's milk toast. I don't like him. And that's why everybody else was attached to all the other more interesting lanterns. But Johns <laughs> likes the dude. So he, he put enough gas in the tank of the lantern universe to fuel five ongoings. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Five ongoing books. Right. That's in, from, from when it, at most, maybe it was two in the past. You had Green Lantern and at well, certain times in the publishing. Claremont. Yeah, and Green Lantern Corps. True. Then, then there was Warrior at one time, whatever. But I'm just saying the, 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 the Lantern concept was never as prevalent in the DC right. universe. And at a time the, when People are often criticized, creators are often criticized for not either being able to or willing to create new characters for Marvel or DC that stick. Uh, John certainly massively expanded that universe, and and many of them have stuck, at least for the last five years, they've certainly... Whether it be yeah. the Red Lanterns and, and you know, and, and, and yeah, there's been tons of characters. Larflees, I mean, there's been a bunch, so... Gotta give him yeah. credit for that for sure. Ooh, six six ongoings, but it's gonna be back to five because Larflees is cancelled, right. unfortunately. Right, right, right. But yeah, yeah. Respect. I, I love it. Nice. You got to read it. I, I, I you, may have to, you're right. You guys read Iron Fist? But you did, freaking why, loved why, it. Why dude. are you gonna why are you gonna do this? We're not gonna talk about Because I want it I don't care. I wanna hear you talk about Iron I Fist was, because I didn't have time to read it. I want to hear why I David should David hasn't it. praised a book like this publicly since Umbral. I think this is the last well, there time. there you go. I, said, I, I, I believe I said something like uh, my – as far as recent first issues that just launched, that that, that came out the gate with um, – which is shit that made me want to keep reading it. It, it, it was Ghost Rider number one and Iron Fist. The Living Weapon Number One. It's um, it also though, Iron Fist has even even more so probably more so than than the story and the art and and this great character that's Iron Fist is that this helped um, purge Spider-Man Reign from my head. Oh come it, on, dude! It, it, it was. Where else are you going to see Peter it's Parker's Peter's Peter? 
It was, I think that is going to go down as the only published example of Peter Parker. How did Mary Jane die? Ah, uh, radioactive semen. Oh, <laughs> Peter Parker picked a pickled penis. <laughs> pickled. I lo- I like Spider Man Rain, but go ahead. I, keep I like going. So, I like I like the parts of Spider Man Rain that I read in Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> <laughs> the the I Dead. yeah the <laughs> Peter in the book the uh, this. This isn't, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist. This is not the Fraction Brubaker or Swarzynski Iron Fist. This is, this is just a, a, um, it's Carrie Andrews and it's, 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 it is, it's just Andrews writing art colors. Um, I, it's not, I, I think it's, um, Karamanya who, who does the letters, but it's basically, it's, it's, it's just Andrews's book and, um, we're getting we're getting some insight into pretty much what makes Danny Rand tick and and uh there's it, there's a whole lot of of internal monologuing going on and and uh Danny's thinking about where he is at this moment and and he's thinking about dad and and, and his parents and and that journey that they all took to uh the Canlon and and you had um and uh Danny's father's confidant with them and things just things were a mess on that um on that expedition and and uh we're just I think what really excites me about this book is is the look the the, the colors are just amazing um but the fight scenes are quick they're 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 rapid they they just you you feel like you are they're they're playing out logically whereas you know you you read other comics and other fight scenes and and there's three panels on a page and it's a punch and a kick or throw and it's like and and you don't know how they got from one side of the room to outside the building and they're just a mess this there's actually uh, um you can follow things really well and uh are are you aware of the other hat Kari Andrews wears uh, you mean in film yeah, yeah. He, he's he, he he's a director yes, he is and and I, he, and I think a writer and but yeah um he he's doing the uh new installment of the um something cabin fever he's doing patient zero yeah i can't wait for that um so he's a very talented individual and, and I, and yeah, I absolutely respect his talent. It's, um, but you know, you think of there are just some characters out there that you're like, you know, who, who do you want to work on or what's, who's your favorite character? Like, like John's with, with Green Lantern or with Hal specifically, but, um, there's just something about, um, Iron Fist in Andrew's hands that just, it, it's a breath of fresh air. It's completely different. Like I said, than, than, than what you've seen before. Uh, See, I was going to ask. Um, I was going to say, is the tone similar to the Brubaker stuff? No, there's no, no, no. there's no, Ah. there's no, uh, you know, you're not, you're not getting a lot of, of Vorse and Randall in this. Oh, okay. In cheek, there's no, yeah, wink, wink humor. Uh, it's, it's, he's, he's a angry, somewhat of a dickhead dude that's a womanizer. He doesn't really know. He doesn't even feel, he, there's, he has no feeling towards that. He, he's, he's having, he's, there's an interview 
the, the woman is. And I, I love the little things that Andrews does on the page where, where the reporter is interviewing him and she's, she's getting all, you can just tell she's getting moist and she's all excited about questions <laughs> and, and you see her, you know, there's like one panel, she's all, she's all sitting up straight and, and she yeah, has she's got her nice, her, her suit jacket on. And she says something and she's like, Oh, I think I need more wine or, and, and, and the jacket. And then the next off. panel, her jacket's off, right? Yeah. Oh boy. But then you have, um, I, I can't imagine Danny being angry though. I mean, the Danny I know is not angry, or at least he wasn't angry. What, what? Well, that's you know, there's a when he he, but he's also he's smart because when when he realizes these ninjas are about to attack, he makes sure the fight does not stay where he is and puts the woman in danger. Even though he feels nothing for this person, he you know he huh, obviously huh. knows where you know why she was why she's in his bed. And he keeps calling her the wrong name. Yeah, just so, fighting. He's like, so and so, get out of here. She's like, my name is. So where does where's the anger coming from? Like, do they, do, does, um, Andrews give you any kind of clues to why this, this change in the character, why he's, he's angry? Well, his, his parents die on the trip to Kunlun. He resents his father because. Oh, so this is not current Danny Mm -hmm. Rand. No, it is, but they flash back to his origin. They're, they're in the Himalayas or they're in the, the, I guess the Himalayas, right? Yeah, the Himalayas. And, and, and they're, they're hiking up the mountain and, the guides have left them because it's too dangerous. They're running out of food. Danny's partner is imploring them to turn around because even if they get to where they're going, they're not going to have enough food to get home safely. His wife's imploring him to turn around. Danny's a boy and his dad keeps pushing them on. They, they die. And again, I'm not spoiling anything because it's, it's basically a retelling of the original origin of Iron Fist. Um, but Danny's resentful of that because the, uh, not only are, are they dead? But his he, he's angry at his father for putting them in that situation, and he's angry that he reminds that he's just like his father, and that uh, mm. his mother said something to the effect of, uh, "You know, I, you have your father's eyes," and that has never escaped him because his last memory of his father, as there as he was dying, was a look of insanity in his eyes, and he came to the conclusion that his dad was insane. Oh, and so yeah. he he just has a lot of issues. And now we don't know in this first issue how long he's been back from Kunlun. I don't know how much they're going to play with the timeline that we've perhaps seen in the comics. But, yeah, he's he's not the Danny Rand that we've seen flitting around the imminent Avengers or anything like that. I mean, he's he's okay. an angry dude that's got no emotion. He's not happy. He's just angry. And, uh, wow. yeah. So is there is there any mention of plants in Kunlun? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, like, no, because he's not. And as far as this series, we haven't we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but <laughs> one he, interesting uh, thing, David, is 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 Kari's artistic approach because he he's a guy that's definitely changed his style up repeatedly. Yes. In his career. The um like the heroes for hire stuff and the X Men stuff he did a few years back with the the big booties. You know, he was drawing. No, the no, 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 no. That was Kari Evans. It was who? Evans. Kari Evans, yeah, with the the pouty kind of pooched out lips, the, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, that was Kari Evans, with an uh, H, K H A. No, I'm talking about. I'm not. No, I'm I'm talking about. I'm looking at a panel of his stuff. Um, I'm not talking about Kari Evans. I'm talking about Kari Andrews. But wait, what book is it? Uh, hold on, I'll, I'll pull it up one second here. I'm looking on the interwebs. One second. 
Because that was the yeah, Carrie Andrews. Yeah, yeah. It's Astonishing X Men Exogenesis. Oh, with with yeah. with uh, Warren Ellis. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Warren Ellis. Yeah, that was. You're right. That was the switch. Yes. Right. Emma Frost okay. got Huge. giant that boobs, was, was giant boobs, right. yes. and Storm's yeah. got giant yeah. boobs. They're like floppy boobs. They're not even. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pancake <laughs> boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much for the first hour. <laughs> well, no, I'm, my point is, is that she grew in a really ca- car- almost a caricature like way in that yes. series, and in yes. this, it's a totally different take. Uh, right. So I, I give him credit for changing his style to fit the work. A little bit more realistic than than uh, than yeah than, than the astonishing stuff and the rain stuff. Um, but the uh, and but the panel layouts are amazing. Like like when. When his father is falling or the avalanche and it's, it's just the way everything is. It, you, you can't take your eyes as much as we loved Ghost Rider and the visuals for that and what Trad Moore was doing. This artistically, it's completely different, but your eyes still can't leave the page on this. It's, it's just, it's, it's a gorgeous looking book. I am, I am a big Iron Fist fan. I just, I don't know what the hell, because it Maybe it was Gil Kane. It really wasn't the collar or the slippers, but I, I love that mask. But the Spider-Man eyes, but it was a half mask tied in the back. I just, I don't know what it was about, especially when Byrne draws it, because there's that's, no... That's my Iron It almost kind of, it's not a helmet, but it, it's, yep. it's, yeah, no, I just, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the character, but as, as much as, um, I, I, I loved Owsley's run on Power Man and Iron Fist all the way up to 125 and, and yeah, and I cried <laughs> bullshit when, when Cat's, Terrible when Cat's hero. Die. Yeah, so I mean, that was just ridiculous and, um, and then Byrne brought him back and everything. It, I just, I was giddy. That was, that was definitely frustration on the writer's part. Definitely frustration. Yeah. Um, cause there's a lot of things from that run that, uh, that never materialized afterwards. Um, but the, uh, but I am, I, I, I loved, what Brubaker and Fraction and then Fraction and then Straczynski did with the character and, and, and as far as the, the past Iron Fists and, um, but I am, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Andrews does and, uh, and you know, there's, he, I guess there's a mention of the Avengers, but this is really where Hawkeye is like a day in the life of Hawkeye when he's not an Avenger. I don't, think that Iron Fist is going to be that way, but it's it's definitely an Iron Fist book. It, it's not like, you know, oh, I hope I get to see Misty show up. It, it's I don't know if you're gonna see Misty show up. This is this is an Iron Fist book and, and um we're basically just getting inside Danny's head and and I am I'm all for that right now. Nice. I got it. So I'll read it uh for next week. Good. Most yeah. Didn't have the time. Let's bring this puppy home. We're we're a little bit by the time we do our oh, our in your travels to the station. You got Damn, it. Dude. You got it. Oh, you get trimmed. Trim, trim, trim. No, it's we'll all talk right. Oh, what were you gonna talk about? That's no, all right. I'll save it. No, I want to know. No, I don't want to get into it now. If we're gonna wrap up, because it's right. gonna put it in the show notes and everybody's gonna think we read it and it's gonna be all like, oh my god, exactly. I talked about this. And it's exactly. Like, well, uh, did. Yeah. So I'm sure you could buy what Jason's gonna talk about next week at our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Where you can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge, Wumba. serious, seriously Wumba discounts, uh, shipped right to your home securely and with love, and they are the best in the business. And you know, one glimpse of their uh, massive discounts, and you'll be like, "Why haven't I been buying from these guys from day one?" Duh. DCBService.com. 
in your travels. Let me get it. It's over here. All right. I'm pretty sure that Simon Roy, the the guy we uh, amazingly talented guy we all know from uh, Brandon Graham's uh, relaunch of Profit, is not a big hit at parties. <laughs> uh, I uh, purchased from the Image Comics. This is called Jan's Atomic Heart and Other Stories. It's an anthology of uh, Simon Roy's uh, shorter stories. Uh, and, uh, I got, here's the setup. When the book opens, um, Simon Roy himself is the main character in this story. And he's on board this space station. And he's floating around in zero gravity and his, his comic pages are all floating in, in the, in the atmosphere, well, no atmosphere. They're floating around him, right? And, uh, he breaks the fourth wall. He does one of those, looks right at the reader and goes, oh, hi. How you doing? And he talks directly to the reader. And he's like, here's what you can expect to see in the following pages. And and he lists all the stories and he breaks them down by the years in which they were published. And he dropped, drops a few nuggets, uh, you know, on, of insight into their creation. And while he's doing this, the, the, the viewpoint slowly pulls back and we get to see the space station that he's in. And it's in pretty rough shape. It's all battered and it's got these solar panels that look like moth-eaten, like fabric. And he goes on and he's still talking to the readers like, oh, yeah, yeah, I hope you enjoy this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and so the camera pulls back even more and we see this alien armada and it's bombarding the planet around which this space station is orbiting. Uh, but in the last couple panels, the aliens totally destroy the planet and, and with and Simon with it. And in the last panel we see of him, he's all happy and smiling and boom, dead Simon Roy. And all the stories in this book are like this. He he pulls you in and kind of sets a status quo for the whatever internal logic is going on in these stories. And then by the end of the, the by the climax of each tale, he pulls the rug right from out of you. Gut punch every single time. And... I'll be honest, most of the punches are downbeat. So what do, you, what do you mean? They're they're very downbeat. They're very I mean, it's not what you expect. It's an O. Hendry kind of twist on on the storyline, but it's not it's there's no happy smiling characters at the ends of these stories. <laughs> they're they're very downbeat. But amazing, amazing talent. The guy has the Enviable, as far as I'm concerned, ability to draw technology in an organic way that makes it look real without making mm-hmm. it look mechanical. Like these robot, this, this book is littered with robots and technology and all sorts of future, futuristic, like, um, machinery and, and, and he draws them all in a way that makes them look totally believable, but they look like they really exist and he does it in a way he doesn't chisel the line he, like he's not a slave to the to the technology he's a, he he plays upon what this thing would look like if it really existed so like the armor on some characters is battered and and loosely rendered but it's completely believable and and that that there's a a really fine balance to to that like if you draw a robot that looks like it's old like say something out of the cantina in star wars if you're going to draw it you you know you would think i got to use a rapidograph and get these lines nice and sharp but that's not what he does he brushes things and it looks totally real it's gorgeous 
But like I said, all of the stories are <laughs> they're pretty downbeat, but it's an amazing, amazing collection. And it's only fifteen dollars for like it's over a hundred pages. It's like a hundred and some pages. Beautiful, beautiful work. I love Simon Roy. I think I think he's the secret weapon of profit. So go out and get it. It's called Jan's Atomic Heart. J-A-N-S. Jan's Atomic Heart and other stories. Great stuff. Jan's, Jan's. Yeah. And the title, the title story is, is the longest and I think the most devastating. But get it. It's great. It's worth your time. Damn it. Respect. Um, I got a really nice shipment from InStockTrades.com uh, this week. Um, what you get? Before it's out of stock, Go get the Stray Bullets Uber Ales oh, edition. Oh, yes. Um, it's, it will not be reprinted. It will not be reprinted. Get it now. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's, uh, I would love to have had it in, in a hardcover, but honestly, it's too fucking big for that. I mean, it's 41 issues. And so, um, it, it probably need, it probably needs to be in a soft cover. Um, but it's, it's awesome. It is the whole, it's the whole enchilada, folks. It is um, a, a magnum opus of of David Waffham's Stray Bullets. It's it's awesome. Get it, it while it's still in stock. And uh, if you don't, you'll you will will regret it. Um, the second one is uh, something Vince and I will probably talk about um, next week, and uh, for about the third time uh, in a row. Uh, Nemo, The Roses of Berlin. Mm, yes. Um, I'm going to agree and disagree with Vince. <laughs> okay. It, 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 I, it is a great book. It, it, but not for the reasons you would expect. Yeah. And, and you said it's a little light on story. Yeah. But it's a league story and league stories. That's kind of the the brilliance of them is that on first look, they can be a little light on story until you start to pull away the layers. And right. there is the brilliance of League is in the references and the Easter eggs and and what is underneath the hood. And the story is pretty straightforward. There is a lot there, Vince. Mm, I, I, I think, and this is what I said last week, I think the brilliance of the book is the fact that Moore pulled these, the most notable instances of German expressionism in film mm-hmm. and, and, and made, con- made this whole section of the planet beholden to that stuff with characters yeah. and, 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 and architecture just pulled from this stuff. But that's all I think, that's all I think he did. He said, well, you know, we're going to use Metropolis and that's going to be an antagonist. And, and, Char- and, and Charlie with, Chaplin. And, 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 um, you know, uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I mean, these are all great, great instances mm-hmm. of just, just world class, brilliant art. But that's all I think it is. It's just a collection of concepts that he just kind of like threw into this one area of the planet. And that's, he didn't really do very much with them other than, you know, everybody wanted to, to kill, uh, Nemo's daughter. 
that that's it it just it just i that's why i say anybody else that pulled those concepts together and made uh this kind of statement with it would have been probably a high water mark in their career but for alan moore he's done it's okay. just it just so, seemed, so, seemed too light okay i you know i can i can respect i think it's that, yeah that, i think that, it's that, great that, yeah, the the bar is for for more should be set at a at a very high level. Um, I I loved it. I I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I th- I, I definitely think that Kevin O'Neill did all the heavy lifting. Oh yeah, it it's one thing for more to say. Okay, you're going to transfer Metropolis to this place and and but do it in a way that's you know not don't swipe from metropolis do it in a way that it's ours make it make it ours and he did it the 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 aerial battles are brilliant they're beautiful to look at and the, these you got these double pages of just chaos and it's so pretty i i just think it works better on the art level than it does on the story level mm, that's all yeah but there was a lot of character development in it as well there there was uh-huh. oh there was a lot of character in it i think all that was established in the previous volume you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think of this as an extension of that. Well, and it is right. Yeah, but yeah, for me, just a, just a little, a little fluffier than I expect from Mister Moore. But that's okay. I'm sure. And, but he also gets criticized for being too deep. I mean, look at the okay. the the the, uh, the decade uh, books that came out before this. Mm-hmm. You had to read all of them. And you had to pay damn close attention because there was a lot of shit going on. And there was, you know, the, the stories just w- didn't work on the surface. They w- went way deep. Uh, so, and that's, that, that's the Ellen Moore I know. I, I want that from him. I want to put massive effort into reading his books because like you said, the deeper you go, the more you uncover. It yep. just seems like this was like shallow. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I think it's, I think it's a nice extension of Heart of Ice. Yeah, sure. So, alright. So that's, that's part two. Um, part three is something that I have been looking forward to for years now, and it's finally been released. And uh, um, uh, big ups to Andy Tom for uh, for for letting me know that it was out and to order it. And that is the um, um, maybe not as good as Dan Slott's Spider Man. But still up there in the pantheon, it is the Uncanny X Men uh, Volume Two of the uh, Claremont Burn X Men. I was wrong. Hmm. I, th- I, th- I thought you were going to say Alex Toth. No, the, that's not out yet. Third. It's not out yet. Oh, it's not out I yet. thought it was. No, no Bo, Bo, Bo Smith. Bo, Bo Smith. Uh, uh, there's been a, a posting on Facebook or two of some advanced copies that are leaking out, but no, this is the, uh, uh, oh. the X-Men, um, the second uncanny X-Men. So it is the fourth X-Men omnibus. So now we are from issue one of the X-Men up to issue 153. And that is, um, discounting the reprint, the reprint issues. Um, uh, before the Roy Thomas Neil Adams uh, issues, so uh, did they publish the covers in there though? Oh yeah, the covers are all here. Oh, nice, yeah, and nice. there's there's annuals and there's the uh, Marvel fanfares that came out at that time and the uh, Phoenix the Untold Story. There's some really cool stuff in here. So um, it's thinner by 
some omnibus standards. It's about uh, it's about twenty seven issues or so, twenty seven, twenty eight issues. Um, but no, it's it's really good. It's uh, it is right in the the wheelhouse of of my childhood. This is the the era of X Men that I fell in that made me fall in love with comics. This is the Dark Phoenix saga. It is the 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 Burn Claremont and then. Uh, the Cockrum issues, you know, kind of pre Paul Smith stuff that I absolutely fell in love with and would not be here today talking about comics without the comics that are in this book. So, um, it's out, get it. Um, if you're, uh, in, in, an X-Men completist, this is something that needs to be on your bookshelf. Co-sign with that. I got my copy too. It looks great. Yeah. It is awesome. So for the record so though, it, that was the 10th X-Men omnibus. Um, well, I mean, fourth in the, oh, 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 okay. I, I'm, um, sequentially, it would be the fourth. Oh, yeah, you mean in terms of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause yeah. there's been two Claremont Jim Lee volumes. There's yeah, been yeah, Age yeah. of there's Apocalypse Morrison. two volumes. Sure. The Morrison sure. New X-Men. Yeah, but in terms of, right, in terms of chronology, yeah. that would be. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you're going chronologically, it's, this is, this is, this will be number four in order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's safe to say that Uncanny, uh, is the most widely collected series in omnibus format. I would. Well, X Men, you mean? I mean, because. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, they, it's, 10, it's, a, yeah, it's actually one of the extras in the back, which is kind of cool, is it shows all of the covers for the Dark Phoenix Saga collected editions. So how many Fantastic Four omnibus have, have there been? Uh, three? Four? Four? Uh, four. Five. Oh. Five. Five. There's FF the FF one and two, yeah. right. burn FF one and two, and then right. Hickman. Oh. Hmm. Wait, one no, Hickman? So, wait. So there's the, 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 the Lee Kirby one and two. Right. And has there the been, burn, there's been one and two. two. Okay, I have, and, yeah, I have the first one. So burn. five. Yeah, so five. Yeah, and then Hickman, yeah. Yeah. That ain't right. Only, only one Hickman? She doesn't oh, his, his, uh, does that everything? Yeah. His whole okay. I didn't know his whole run just fit in one. Cool. I think it's safe to say that the Wade Waringo stuff is ripe for. Omnibus I think it form. should be in an. I, there may, I don't know if there's enough yeah. for an omnibus, but I think there should be an omnibus of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal well, preference. That, I mean, I, whether you want to say it's one of the been, greatest runs, but it's it's for me. I love it. I'm they, actually surprised they, there's been four Iron Man omnibus just because I oh, I don't think individual Iron Man comics have collectively been all that good for most of their existence. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, um, that surprises me, but but they, yeah, they, they need they need to do the first hundred Fantastic Four issues. Those mm-hmm. need to be collected in in omnibus. Form. I agree with that. For yeah, real. they really should real. do a third yeah. volumes three and four. I agree. Yeah, um, I think I, I think for Jason's point that, that, that as far as the high watermark runs, the, this arcs of Iron Man, I think, are probably the ones that are already collected in omnibus. There really aren't too many. You're not going to. There's the Nicolini, Ramita, Leighton stuff. Yep. But, um. Armor Wars. You're not, too, you're right? not really going to do Teen Tony. You're not, uh. Mm-hmm. There have been some really good writers. You've had Busiek, you've had Byrne, you've had a ton of people do good work on Well, Iron the Busiek Chen is the, is the fourth one of the omnibuses. Nice. So that's the Heroes, Heroes Return stuff. Yeah, there's the two, the two originals, which would be mostly Tales of Suspense. There's the Michelini Leighton stuff, and then there's the right. B6 Chin stuff. Okay. 
cool. so none of the which is really stuff. mostly not Iron Man. Well, that's not true. There's 25 Iron Man issues, but then the other half of it is is other stuff. I guess that he, you know, because it was tied into that, like Cap and Quicksilver and Spidey and Thor and that kind of thing. Hmm. You, you know what I'd like to talk about next week, and I don't know if you guys read them. Uh, are, are you guys reading the uh, What If Age of Ultron books? Because no, I mentioned armor. I have not. I I'm gonna I'm gonna make you. Read I didn't them read Age Joe, of Ultron, so I would. I don't well, no, no. Joe Ke- Joe Keating wrote them. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Okay. They, they you don't you don't have to have read Age of Ultron to appreciate it. They're just they're just cool stories. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and something made me remember those. But I want to talk about them next week. Because, mm. you know, everyone geeks out when someone other than Thor picks up the hammer. Oh, shit. Sure, sure. Some, someone other than Thor picks up the hammer. Cool. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's cool. I, he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, and go. Uh, this is something I've been waiting for for a while now because I, I think we all know Mr. Kevin Mellon, uh, Jason has an awesome Deadpool. I have a kick-ass Mr. Monster. He, he's working on Archer with Floyd County. He, Kevin is, is an extremely talented individual and, and every so often on his blog, on Tumblr, I'll see him post sketches or work from his, his book, uh, Suicide Sisters and never read a lick of it. I, I didn't want to, um, look stupid and ask, you know, where can I get this or just you know, anything more about it. I figured I'll just find out about it in trips and drives as, as he releases things. And, uh, this week he, um, he made volume one, which is just three issues available, uh, via print or digital. Uh, digital is a buck and you get the CBZ and the PDF version of each issue. For that whole dollar. Um, or you can get print versions. Uh, he has two stores. One with um, Gumroad, which lets you get a print book and a PDF or the CBC and a PDF. Or you can use Big Cartel, which is a credit card or PayPal. Uh, you can get a print book or a digital PDF. Um, but you, uh, like I said, know anything about the book uh, except that it looked like about these Two sisters and some demons. And, and that's basically kind of sort of all you really need to know. Um, it's, it's, it's two sisters driving across Texas trying to find the devil so they can get their souls back. And, Ooh. and the two sisters are, uh, Pandora who goes by Dora and her sister Cora. Uh, and it's, it's basically just, uh, it's, it's written and drawn. By Kevin, um, letters by Crank, but whereas Kevin's worked with Hopeless on Gearhead and uh, and and he's 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 worked with other people. This apparently has been a labor of love for him for years. Um, the second issue came out last, I think September. Um, so obviously the first issue came out even before that. He's been he's been this has just been in him for a long time and he will have copies available this weekend at his booth at CTV nice. Sue. Um and uh probably talk to him about the book but it's it's uh yeah there's the the subject matter may not be something that I'm all about but 
Kevin gets me into it. I'm, I'm, um, the, these two sisters aren't, um, people you'd probably want to know or hang out. Well, Vince probably would want to hang out with. <laughs> um, being a hack slash fan, this is probably up, uh, Vince's alley. It's, uh, like I said, it's, this is the first volume. There will be a volume two. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's something I would definitely recommend. Uh, so if you just want to try it, get the digital versions for a buck. The print versions are, uh, shipping through the stores. Um, the issues are eight bucks a piece. Unfortunately, I didn't see anything as far as bundles. Um, but it's, uh, I'm just saying you can get the books. The, the, they look great. They're full color. Uh, the story is just, it's, there's a lot in these issues. They're, they're only about, you know, 32, 34 pages an issue, but there's, you're not flipping through pages and, and reading it quickly. Um, Kevin really gives you your money's worth and there's, there's a lot going on here. The, the art is fantastic. Uh, the story's just nuts. You, you have, it's the two sisters, um, guns and, and blowing demons away and, and, uh, and basically, just, I mean, that's the pitch right there. They're, they're, they're trying to get their souls back and it's, it's not a, um, it's a mature reader's book. It's, it's not for, cause there's, there's, um, I like that. Well, you know, Vince's sensitive ears and eyes, there's going to be a lot of F-bombs. Uh-oh. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's, the, the, these aren't, none of the people in the book, human or demons, are nice. There are, um, there's a lot I still want to know at the end of the third issue because um, Dora's on the phone with her father from time to time. Um, Dad's a preacher, which you know naturally because you know these these, these son of girls, a preacher, you know, and and they're running around killing demons. So something's up with the family life. Um, so I want to know more about these sisters, which you know pretty much in anybody else's hands. I don't know if these are the characters who I'd say I want to know more about. But, um, because of Kevin's passion for this project and, and it just, I, I dig what he's putting out there. This is something that, that, that he wanted to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, we read a bunch of things that, uh, that a lot of the listeners and, and forum members have put out and, and, uh, we know that it means a lot to them. And, and it, it, there's something special about that when rereading it. It's not just something that, you know, you found, picked it up off the rack and read it because, you know, a publisher just threw it out there to sell something. And, and, and I like what Kevin was, uh, accomplished with this. So I definitely recommend Suicide Sisters. Check it out. He, um, you can pretty much find him anywhere online, Tumblr, Blogs, Blog, um, M E L L O N is his last name, but I, Definitely dude's, recommend. Dude's a professional. He he's really a is. Boss. And he is, yeah. and he is just one of the nicest people. Did you just no doubt. chat with him at a con? And he is just, he really is, he's, he's mellow, he's laid back, and, and he, you know, he's not, he's not loud, he's not obnoxious, he's just, he's a really cool down to earth dude. Agreed. Alright. Nice. Alright, in your travels, first and foremost, head to Chicago and hang out with Chris and all the EOC peoples. For C2E2. <laughs> Can't wait. And also, be sure to swing by 
the ink fusion area and cheer on Chris and many of our friends and listeners as they get inked up. And say what's up to Stringer for me. I can't wait. Uh, I, I can't wait either to see it. I, I'm excited. It's process like, picks. We need process yeah, picks. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, it'll be cool to see uh, what it's like to sit. It's always, I think, interesting the first time you have to sit for a tat. Um, as a uh, just a little cherry on top of last week's awesome time talking to Jason Aaron, uh, don't forget next week uh, in stores will be uh, Southern Bastards number one. Make sure it's gonna you, sell out. Oh, it's already yeah, it's for sure. Make sure you grab your copy while you can, because um, the second printing isn't gonna be worth as much as the first. People, <laughs> gotta slab that shit. Uh, and then, and then, last but not least, another image book, um, also first teased at the last Image Expo, comes out the following week, the first week of May. We received a review copy this week, and that is Nailbiter. Uh, number one, um, yes. which is a book that should be right up Vince's alley for sure. Uh, it's written by Josh Williamson. Uh, it's uh, penciled and inked by Mike Henderson, most recently of um, uh, Masks and Mobsters uh, on Monkey Brain, which is an excellent series in its own right. Yes. Um, this is a story. I read the first issue. It is it is very engaging. This The premise is... Uh, a town in Oregon called Buckaroo, small little town, rural town, in spite of the, 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 the demographics has, has yielded 16 uh, horrible serial killers over its <laughs> existence. And an FBI profiler, um, is missing and his best friend, who's an NSA agent, goes to try and find him. And in order to find his missing friend, he has to enlist the help of a guy named Edward Warren, a.k.a. the nail biter, who was known for eating more than the nails of his victims, uh, basically like a Hannibal Lecter type of a thing. And he has to, to work with him to find his friend. And although he doesn't really care too much about the serial killers, I mean, he's an NSA guy, once he starts looking for his friend, he realizes he may need to figure out why it is this town produces so many infamous serial killers if he has any hope of ever figuring out what happened to his buddy. So the first issue is creepy, it's engaging, the dialogue is smart, the premise is extremely enticing, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's gory. This is not for kids, this is an adult book for sure, but, um, Image Comics, uh, I think it's, it stands the, two weeks from now, I think, uh, the 7th of May, so, you hmm. can try. So, sounds good. You'll love it. You made me, you made me think of Ed Gein when you were talking <laughs> about that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. He's drawn to look De- like a, a younger version of Ed Gain, frankly, I think. Nice. Do you ever see Deranged? Uh, is that the, I don't, is that the, it, the, uh, ser- the drama about Ed Gain? It's an Alan Ormsby movie. Uh, Robert's Blossom is, is, uh, Ezra Cobb. It's not Ed, Ed Gain's explicitly, but it is Ed Gain. It's a great movie. No, great movie. I, I don't know if you'd like it, cause it's, I don't know. It's, it's very low budget, but it is creepy. Uh, Robert's Blossom is amazing in it. You you believe this guy's like totally deranged. Nice. Yeah. All right. And I just got Will Will Pfeiffer to to listen. So because he loves that stuff too. Oh, you got him to listen at the end. Good. No, I mean <laughs> to perk up perk up his ears. All right. Um. Every. <laughs> oh, and Thank- and everybody, welcome Vince to the world of Facebook. Welcome back, yeah. to Facebook. my newest oh, Facebook right. friend. I had to. I, I, I got to do stuff for my thesis, and they 
They want to do they it. Bullied you. So they they, they want to they want to connect Facebook on the friends. Facebook or whatever. Yeah, whatever. It, 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 yeah, you're now I'm one not, of yeah. 1.2 billion, Vince. Oh, I was gonna say you have 1.2 billion friends. No, Woo. there are 1.2 billion Facebook friends. On Oh, so do I have to opt out of that mobile phone tracking thing? Like, how do I do that? You know how they they're, they're setting up something where you can they'll track you by your mobile phone so your friends can see where you are. Like geographically, you have to go into your settings and check. There's always every setting is can be turned on or off. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I don't want to get into that now because yeah. people don't want to hear that. Hey, everybody, thank you for being here with us. Uh, <laughs> we will be back next week. It's the same place you found this. You can find the next one. Always the same uh, because we're here for you because we love you so much. That's right. We need Call you. us iTunes reviews, Twitter. Hit us up the forums, which is where David. Bullpenbulletinspodcast.com slash form or 11oclockcomics.com. What, what? Yeah, I, I, I was going to change the uh, forum art and I didn't do that. I'm sure I'm going to get on that this week. What are you going to make it? Probably Southern Bastards. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's appropriate. Yep. Yeah. It is. Yes. All right, dude. See you next week. All right, have a good one, guys. Peace out. All right. Bye. Later, have fun at C2E2. Oh, I can't wait. Woo-hoo.